I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the final play on review of 2019, we're going to be reviewing the finalists of the AFLM comp now that everything is over. Um, I'm Gemma Bassiani. I once again have Jason Morrison here with me. Thank you for coming. Oh, it's a pleasure to be back in the studio. I'm very excited to talk about this because we, I mean, all fair, we have been talking trade stuff for the past 25 minutes before yep. we got probably 40 minutes actually. And I feel like if we talk about that trade stuff by the time this comes out, it'd be very dated. So Yeah, so we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all the finalists in order, reverse order from 8th to 1st. Mm. We're going to go back and talk about, going to keep saying talk about a lot, all the players we flagged as players to watch, um, players under the pump, as well as season highlights and lowlights for each team. Yep. So... We're going to kick it off with Essendon, who finished 8th on 95.4%. Good on them. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, as those who have listened before, I'm a very strong Carlton supporter, and Essendon <laughs> is one of my teams that I am very passionately against. <laughs> I, don't, I don't hate them because, you know, everyone's, you know, great that everyone's got their role, but... <laughs> The fans, the club, the culture, all of that is not is is low on my things I like list, and uh, it's very nice to see them finish higher than Adelaide, which is another team on that list that I really dislike, <laughs> which we've covered in the last episode. Uh, but it's also nicer that they we can keep the Twitter account days since Essendon won a final ticking over a little bit more. We didn't have to reset that it to zero. It is quite funny. And so I had them finishing at 6th to 10th and I was pretty adamant in the preview that even though Dylan Schill was there and they had a, like, had a fairly, uh, quite a few reasonable players come into the side the past few weeks, he wasn't going to be the saviour that got them from yep. a, a nothing team to a going to win a flag team. Yep. And that's kind of how it panned out. But do you remember who your play to watch was? I do. I have it all in front of me. Um, I'd said they'd finish 11th. So we're kind of pretty parallel. Pretty close, Obviously, yeah. you were more right that they made in the finals. But see, I gave the, the range, remember? Yeah. Got away with it. Uh, I had 
was interested to watch on Shield and how he would go. Mm. And Irving Mosquito, and we didn't really get to see him, unfortunately. But next year, one of the clips of one of the one of the social media clips of the year. We should have just about done a whole episode on our favourite social media content. But the clip where he first got to Essendon and he's getting shown around the rooms and he's sitting in the change rooms and the smile is as big as a football yep. and like Tipper's kind of having a chat to him and like he's meeting these players which are no doubt his. I can't remember who he went for as a kid, but these are just like, these are all AF, real AFL players. In the same way, if you bumped into a, a team at the airport, you're like, oh my gosh, this is Brisbane Lions. Like I caught a flight <laughs> with Brisbane Lions, you know, and this is like, oh my gosh, he was just so excited and kid in a candy store kind of style. And I was like that, I can't wait for him to actually get Realize some it. runs on the board and, yeah. you know, just very... They puts a smile on my face. As much as I dislike the team, it's those sort of things yeah, you that love you just it. love because it's football. Yeah. And um, so while that didn't quite see, you know, uh, Dylan Shield, it's it's interesting talking about Joe Danaher, and there's been a few comments that do you think Dylan Shield felt a little bit like, oh, you convinced me to come here, and now you're going. Like, what's the deal? Yeah. But you know, you could come to Carlton. <laughs> But he, uh, he didn't, and here Isn't we are. It, didn't he say something about marquee games? Didn't he go there for marquee games? Yeah, but I- impartially, and I'm not saying uh, I'm trying to be impartial here. There are Essen have some big marquee games, and Car- probably a couple more than Carlton. But you know, round one versus Richmond's always great. Carlton, Collingwood, Carlton, Essendon. But I yeah, suppose but it, words out have... of his mouth were that he came to Essendon for the marquee games. Yeah, well, what what other ones do they have? They've Anzac obviously got Day. Anzac Day. Que- uh, not Queen's, Queen's birthday. Uh, now they have Good Friday. And so that's two. Not that they don't have other big games, but obviously the Essendon Carlton games are big. Uh, Essendon Collingwood games, Essendon Richmond, like any of the, those those mm. of the big, you know, I like to say the big five. You include Hawthorne in that. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's round one's a pretty good one to have. Yeah, the, the, you know, so I don't. I, you know, he can do what he wants to do. I'm not going to stop. He made the choice. Um, um, I chose Andy McGrath, and I expected he'd have a bit of a breakout season and kind of push into the midfield. He, he wasn't outstanding, but he did improve, particularly statistically, but just generally watching him, you could tell. Um, he was more involved at the contest, I think, and he, he gathered a lot of contested possessions on a consistent basis. And then he tended to stand up when the rest of the team didn't necessarily show up either. Mm. There were a few games where the team was a bit abysmal, but the comment everyone made was a bit Andy Grah really showed a lot. Yep. So I think that on its own was pretty impressive, um, particularly in that West Coast final where they just lowered their colours as a team, but he definitely took a step forward. Yeah, um, He'll always be compared to Taranto in that draft, I think. And as much as... Taranto won the BNF this year and is an outstanding player and played in a grand final this year. I think McGrath, his impact can't be ignored. He kind of has seamlessly fit into the team, hasn't missed a lot of football since going at that number one pick. Yeah, he's he's played 64 games over three seasons, so he's only missed five games. Was yeah. it five? Six, maybe six? And considering he came back into a team when all those other team players came back... Yeah, and he still he wasn't one of those games. like f- top up players. He was there when the yeah, um, 
and he kind of is pretty versatile. Like he can kind of go and plug a hole when they need at times as well. I've noticed this year. So yep. I think he, he took a step forward. He didn't have a breakout year, but he proved his worth more. Yep. If that makes sense. Who was your player under the pump? I well, I remember mine was a bit of a bit of a joke. I had a Jake Stringer that you know that maybe he there was more things that would come out about Jake Stringer or he wouldn't have you know, but. While that's not the case, it's very interesting to see... We all know my feelings on Jake Stringer. Yeah, and, you know, I think he's he's let the uh, his field... His field... His performance on the field kind of do the talking. You know, he's... Has he? Well, I think he has played that role in the forward line for Essendon. I don't think that he is as dominant as what he might have been in the past, but... When you've got Tip and Woody there as well, between him and Tip are going one two. But see, my issue with Jake Stringer isn't that he doesn't kick enough goals. Mm. It's that he doesn't do anything else. Right. You know, like there was a moment in, and I don't know what the stats are off the top of my head, but you can get a feel for something just watching a game. And there was a moment in that um, Anzac Day game, late in the game where Essendon was surging and everyone was complaining about the umpiring. There was a moment where Jake Stringer could have made a tackle that could have prevented Collingwood from surging forward again. Yeah. He kept the ball in the area and he just chose not to tackle. It wasn't that he was unable to or anything. He just stood there, didn't make the attempt. Was and that, that after, in my head, that was pre-Pendlebury. I was say that was after the whistle was blown. But, no, sorry, when the whistle wasn't blown, but... you know, No. Or is this a different... It was earlier than that. Okay. It was when Essendon were really on a rampage. Yep. And I don't know, it's just those little things that... Players that want to be flashy don't do that other players would have done that could have kept it in the area and maybe he wouldn't have got praise for that. Yeah. But it could have made all the difference in the game. And I'm not saying he could have won it for them, but he could have maybe not lost it for them. Yeah. If that makes sense? Yeah, it makes it makes sense. And I think that uh, those pressure acts in the forward 50 is what creates goals. Yeah, exactly. You know, so... And that's what won Richmond a premiership in 2017, the pressure act in the forward half. Yeah. It just... And, and, and to kind of bring it back again, because we're going to do it every every team, you look at... That's what a guy like Eddie Betts creating goals... Like, he kicked uh, 37 goals this year for Adelaide in a team that was... It's weird that people road. are saying that was bad. It was more than the Carlton's leading goal kicker. But, you know, his forward 50 tackles is one and a half a game. So, like... He and you obviously we all know his highlights, but that's it's that sort of maneuvers and that sort of play that creates the goals out of nothing. Mm. And it's those um, tackles in the forward fifty and those pressure acts in the forward fifty that win the games out of nowhere. And I think I was about to go back into Carlton talk again, but but you just got to keep it in the area. And if that's it, if you're not a big key forward, I mean, even big key forwards should be expected. Tom Lynch. Did that a lot. He he laid out actually a lot of tackles this <sighs> year for a big key forward. He was putting that work in. Why couldn't Jake Stringer lay a tackle? You know, like, yep. and it sounds like I'm being real attacking on him, but that's the reason. I think a lot of people don't understand why I'm not a huge fan of him. Because, yeah, some of the stuff he does is incredible, but it's the little things that he doesn't do that put me off. Yep. But, yeah. um... It's... And, look, I've got... Obviously, we have feelings on him for being... You know, for some of his off-field actions as yeah, well. Also not good. Which, um, you know, I thought maybe maybe that, but it seems like Essendon sort of 
got him in an okay place, you'd like to think. Yeah, I mean, I don't follow much of that, but nothing's been said so much since he's been there, has it? No. Um, my player under the pump was the very famous now, Joe Danaher. <laughs> we did have some strong words about... Uh, I remember having strong words about him. Yeah. Um, trade discussions aside... He was only able to get out there for four games, one of which was so dramatically late that the club was fined $20,000 for him playing because they hadn't named him as an, an emergency. Was that... Oh, uh, that Collins was Anzac Day. The finals. That was Anzac Day, yep. He did prove important in the games that he did play, but I feel like the under-the-pump status now has really moved to the club and their management of him and all that sort of stuff mm. because we've seen many times in the past players that have had injuries mismanaged and then all of a sudden have played a full season. Yep. Look at Lincoln McCarthy at Brisbane this year. Yep. Not Never before has he played a full season he was able to do that this year because Brisbane were able to get him out there consistently. Mm. Um, we've seen heaps of other players. Hawthorne with Tom Scully, you know. So a whole bunch of players at Hawthorne. Like they're, they're Jay really Gromira. good for, yeah. yeah. So how much of it is him not being managed the right way for his body. And no one's perfect and no one can deal with everyone the same way. Yeah. But how much of that is then affecting the way he plays on field because he doesn't want to be there or he can't... And this is the interpersonal relationships with the coaching staff and the high-performance staff that maybe there's just... He's struggling to get a game because of his body and it may not be the high performance and coaching stuff is like I just need a change of scenery because I've been in the weights room for the best part of two years and in the recovery room and everybody in Melbourne is watching me like yeah, being he's, stuck he's in so Melbourne often at gig like around at gigs yeah or like he loves gigs the local the local footy club I try and play for he's been at a few events and stuff and you know people know you or in Sydney they'll still know him but you can wander around so much more with and uh, anonymous and just you know I can I can see why the appeal of of Sydney a Sydney team same the same way with Buddy I can well, see I mean, why the appeal the family of- history at Sydney as well but that aside I think it must be frustrating to constantly be targeted similar to Tom Boyd to constantly be targeted by the media and idiots online for something that's completely out of your control it's not yeah. his fault that he's got OP and that the club made the wrong choice a year and a half ago yeah. and it's still affecting him. That's not his fault. Just like Tom Boyd, it wasn't his fault that West Co- uh, Western Bulldogs offered him that money. Mm. He wanted to come to Melbourne and that's what he got offered, so he took it. But the media so hard went after him that his mental health deteriorated to a mm. point where he retired. Like, how... Uh, I'm going on my little soapbox rant it's again. It's funny, but though, but you are defending... Someone that I, someone I, I you... don't like and historically haven't liked mm. as a player... I don't, yeah. as a person, you can separate the fun- player and the person. Yes. It's, it, it seems insane that the football zeitgeist is able to completely remove themselves from what they've done and always heap the blame on someone else. Yeah. And it feels more and more like that's what's happening here. The constant blame from players, uh, from supporters and, insane Essendon supporters and the media that he's not putting in the work or he's not doing the job when he's been injured for two yeah. years. He's a 25-year-old dude, give him a break. Yeah, and it's also the scenario that if it hadn't popped up mid-season or, or late in the second half of the season that 
he'd requested it. If it had kind of come in during the finals, for argument's sake. Yeah. Say Essendon lost in the first round. A week later, he's like, hey, everyone, interested to go to Sydney. I feel like the dynamic of that would be different. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have done that, but in my opinion of Essendon supporters and, and Essendon supporters who I'm close with, the conversation is oh, John Warswold, you know, sack him, you know, clubs underperforming, blah, blah, all these things. Like it's not blah, all, of the, all of the stuff that a club in Essendon's, you know, 12th to 9th, 12th to 7th position over the last few years mm. where they would have felt that they would be better once they'd rebuilt after, the, you know, getting the players back from the drug saga. That's turned, instead of turning inwards on the club, like, oh, bloody hell, like Essendon, it's turning now, focusing on this point of Joe Danaher because yeah. he was, you know, he's been slogging it out and he's been on the boundary line that now when he's like, hey, I just need a change and it's the time for me to go, all of that energy in the club, which is focused on him. It's and just that's, boiled over, hasn't it? Absolutely. So I think if it had been done... When I say it's been done differently, I don't think it's been done. I can't speak but for some I mean, badly, but if it was, if they said, you know, you know, in the, in the final series, okay, yep, I'm going to go to Sydney. I, I want, I'd like a trade. Sydney's where I want to go, and they'd said on the night of their BNF, hey, thanks for my time here. It's time for me to move on. Okay, great. Thanks for what you've done. We need to do it. Whereas it's similar to the Tom Lynch maneuver of. Just, just, yeah. It's kind of just, it just drags on. We kind of know it, but we don't know it. And then it, when it happens, it's like just this. Me- it turns into a mess. But if you, I guess the different thing with the Tom Lynch thing, it is different. Yes. If you knew the, um, I want to choose my words very carefully here. If you knew the completely irrational reaction that was going to be created and that trade period was still two weeks away, and that there's a bullshit trade radio running for a week before the trade period even starts, where they literally have nothing else to talk about, are you going to give them more time to speculate and cause more drama and cause more negativity, or are you going to wait until as late as possible so that there's less of that, if possible? Yeah, you want that's what I'm saying, is you want to narrow that window down... So, like, coming in, if, if someone like a Joe Danaher said, hey, thanks, Essendon, I feel like my time is to move in a different direction. Because even on the, you know, those conversations where that, oh, it's best and fairest, you know, we might have an idea on what Joe Danaher is doing. So this speculation bubbles, whereas looking at another trade, it's like, hey, yep, I'm ready to go. Now I'm leaving it up to the team, teams to, the team's staff to work it out. It's a bit tricky, though, when... You want to announce that you want to go, but... You've got nowhere to go. But no, but you don't know that you definitely will get to go. Well, that was like Tim Kelly, I know Kelly, the Tim example, Kelly thing, but Geelong are a much more rational club than Essendon are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like, look, and but there, there are other, other cases of, of, you know, there are other cases where teams have said, hey, I want to go. And now I suppose Papley, ha- for example, going back to Sydney and Carlton again, which is perfect... Papley has said he wants to go and, and wants to go to Carlton. And what's the reaction been? All right, that's sad, but we get it. Yeah, and, and Carlton are like, great, we'll take him and we're happy to give up a Let's be reasonable first round draft pick. For, yeah. you know. Anyway, this is not a bash on Essendon situation. But <laughs> and I, this doesn't I, come back to Carlton and Carlton <laughs> Sydney. Which, I anyway. do just feel a bit bad for him yeah. because 
it's it hasn't been in his control. Yes. What can he do? Everyone is hating on him. Everyone's hating on the Swans yep. for this thing that Essendon have created. Uh, I don't know if Essendon have created it. The, their their public stance, I think, has created it more than anything. Yeah, it's just it's just murky. Yeah, just, just keep things simple. And when some, you know, we're just as bad as. I don't want to say we're just as bad as trade radio, but we're just doing the same things that they do in there. We're just all... Just bashing s- them instead of players. We're just, specu- <laughs> we're just speculating. And, yeah. and as I, I was having a conversation today with my housemate about speculation, it's like only... It's like an iceberg. It's only like 10 or 20% that's public. But the, the amount of meetings that would go on between everybody else mm. at the hotel that they're staying at, at the bar around the corner, at Starbucks when they're getting a bumping into each other, getting a coffee and just like, there's going to be, there'll be something else that'll come unexpected. And Yeah, I can't wait. S- Sydney's going to sign Brody Grundy. Should we move on to the season highlight? Uh, season highlights for, I think making the finals is a great highlight for, for Essendon. Not so much making, you know, losing the... the again. Again, but... Um, it took me a long time to think of one for Essendon. Mm. But then Kale Hooker jumped into my mind. Uh, that round 15 win against GWS, that come from behind victory, that I think was the peak of their season. McKernan stood up and was really important. And we all know that I love Sean yep. McKernan. Swung Hooker forward and it worked yes, for them. Yep. It was, and it, it was kind of the signal that they're like, okay, we are going to make finals now. And it was just so, so many good vibes for Essendon supporters. Yep. And I think even impartial supporters were pretty excited. That game was spectacular the way yeah. they came back. Like, you got to love it. And then the other one I would put would be the game against, I'm pretty sure it was North Melbourne off the top of my head with a, you know, Tipper doing his thing and yeah. just kicking Always those couple of amazing... Loss. Yeah. <laughs> those couple of amazing goals. And, you know, following the story of Tipper throughout the year of him being their barometer, yep. those sort of little nuggets... Yeah getting behind and going, you know, he kicks a goal. And I think he kicked three goals total in all of their losses. And it was, I'd have to double check what, uh, I can't even read this. Anyway, he kicked goals this year and it was great to see. He kicked kicked 32 (laughs) goals. So he kicked about as many goals as Eddie Betts. Almost, Um, five off. Yeah. Uh, An average, just just nearly nearly two a game. I think the, yeah, I think the thing around him just was, his inability to be consistent. Yeah. But that's the whole team. It's not just him. Their whole team was inconsistent this year. Yeah, and he's still he's still young. Like he's only got drafted in twenty sixteen, so this is what his third season. Yeah, but is he a bit older? Uh, I don't have to look at how old he is. I think he might be a bit older. Uh he was born in ninety three. Yeah, so he's twenty six. Hmm. So he was a couple of years so old. He's yeah. a bit older, yeah. Uh, so yeah, season low light. Yeah, mine. Uh, their season book ends. So round one against GWS, where they were just embarrassed at Giant Stadium. Yes. Do you remember that game? Yeah. And then it came out after like, oh, Zach Merritt was sick. It was this. It was that. It was like, no, it was just bad. Like he just played badly, and then just not even showing up to that final. Well, I was going to say the other one, which was the, that period of time before the finals where they got rolled, absolutely rolled in that last um, 
There are a few teams that had that happen. Yeah, against the Dogs, and they kicked no goals oh, after yes. <laughs> 21 um, goals straight. 21 goals straight. Like, it was just incredible to watch. It was just funny to watch Twitter tick over while it was happening as well. Yeah. I was uh, at the pub with, having dinner with some friends, and it was on in the background because Geelong was playing. Oh, yeah. That uh, real North Melbourne. And again, it was another wild. It was just it was two. North Melbourne's lowest score since 1920 something. Was, we had one TV to our right and one to our left, and we're just going back and forth going, why are these on at the same time? <laughs> because I'd love to be able to sit and watch one and just. Enjoy the terribleness of 100 it. 100 point defeat, and they. Oh, so bad. That has to be a low light. But. <laughs> I also, I think another low light that, uh, maybe it wasn't an Essendon low light, but a low light for me that included Essendon season was the Essendon-Carlton game where it was terribly low scoring and we kicked only like three goals for the mm. game and then Bolton got got sacked and it wasn't really... Um, bring yeah. it back to Carlton, are we? Yeah, I know, but we're both great <laughs> at bringing it back to our own teams. But it was just a rubbish game. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, it was... Yeah, Essendon did play some poor footy this year. They were lucky to get away with that one. But I think that, I think that this season on a whole was pretty poor, like across the board this year. Yeah. Do you think, like, the average performance was worse than usual? I think I'd touch on this with another team, but just the yeah. accuracy of a lot of teams let them down and it just... I, I think that only following AFL in like really statistical depth for the last three or four years, other than being you know just a fan before that. So I can't really give any solid answers on the specifics because I think the flavour of each year changes. Like some year it's just absolute topsy-turvy and you hear every year commentators and... and uh, podcasts and articles. It's like, oh, there's this crazy year. It's like, well, everyone says that about every round ever. Like, it's always... This year wasn't crazy. It was just kind of shit. It, it definitely wasn't the craziest year, but, yeah, a bit of a middle of the road. Yeah. Um, it's listening to the same conversations. Like, yeah, okay, all right, here we go. Here, oh, what a week it's been in football. You're like, yeah, you say that every... Anyway. Um, general feelings on their season? don't think that Essendon, by far they didn't have the best season. I think John Warsfold's probably lucky. I don't want to say lucky. That lucky that they weren't succession plan instead of sacking. Succession plan is probably a, and Because I don't think he deserved to get sacked before his contract. I don't think he's had that bad a time. But I feel that the succession plan is Essendon needs to move into now an upswing. Mm. Whereas I feel after had that bottom out part, you know, a couple of years of resetting themselves. Mm. Now they've got a solid base again and it's the upswing is now. And then a fresh coach, you know, hopefully this trade period doesn't screw them over too hard. You know, and hopefully, you know, if they do end up getting the two first round draft picks or the high second, that uh, there is actually some quality players in there that fit in there that what they need because – the theory is that this trade period is slightly weaker than... This draft. Sorry, that's what I meant. This draft isn't as... Oh, any draft is going to be weaker than last year's. Last year's was insane. But mm. I think the, f- the fact that there's a lack of key position players is the issue. Yeah. Um, for me, I think that it's been incredibly disappointing. And I know that they made finals, but they only just made finals. And then overall, there wasn't much 
exciting about them. And I know that I've come at them with a really negative tinge, but I think there were teams below them that were far more exciting and played a lot more better football that maybe didn't get the one or two wins than what they did. And Adam Saad is a shining light for him. Merritt continued to prove why he's really highly considered. But realistically, I think we learned more about the somewhat questionable club culture out of this year than anything. And again, not trying to just make everything about them negative. I think Adam Saad is fucking amazing. Yeah, and agreed. I, he, watching him play was so enjoyable this year. Connor McKenna as well. Some of the stuff he oh, did. Oh, that's definitely incredible. Some of his little kick. I don't know what the... His kick to himself. Yeah, but there's a term for it, but... Yeah, so like things like that were really awesome about them and, and that's why you watch them. But I think generally they're, a bit, they're just a bit of a nothing team. Yeah. And that sounds really awful, I know, but I don't... I just don't see an Essendon game on TV and be like, oh, I'm going to watch this one, you know? Yeah. I'd prefer to watch a Frio game or a Gold Coast game, you know? It's just... And what's more unpredictable. Yeah, there's more little things that are exciting about them. Whereas yeah. Essendon, young players, do they have many young players that they've been debuting? Not really players that you are aware of. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just... They're a bit middle of the road at the moment and I think that they are trying to be in that upper echelon and just aren't quite there yet. Um, yeah. yeah. Improved decline or plateau in 2020? I don't see them... If I don't see them moving out of that middle of the road bracket just yet. Mm. I have them decline and not because of them, but I think other teams are going to go past them. Yeah, so all of those teams that finished below them, we get Port, Essendon, Port, yeah, you Port, yeah, Adelaide. Hawthorne. Hawthorne. We'll just... Sydney, We'll Carlton. have those... Do, yeah. But I definitely see middle of the road again. And if they make finals, then they've obviously done something right yeah. and get a few uh, decisions in their favour. But not ex- It's not exciting. And that sounds horrible, I know. Anyway, let's But they on. can be. They've got this potential to be... But that, I think that's what the issue is, right? They have the potential to be this exciting, great team and they show it twice a year. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, they're exciting players this year. Well, Adam Saad, Connor McKenna, Sean McKernan... And Kale Hooker and Mitch Brown, who kicked six goals one time. Yep. You know, like, what? They don't have a ruck. <laughs> oh, then, am I having Andrew Phillips? Anyway. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, uh, Western Bulldogs finished seventh with 107.2%. I had them Bulldogs. 14th to 16th, so I was wrong. I accept that. I had them at 16th as well, so yep. pretty consistent. But some of those, I think for them kind of the opposite of Essendon is that their second half and their back end of the season had some really exciting games where they mm. kept teams to, I think Essendon we just mentioned, and then the GWS game where they kept GWS to, was it no goals in the second half? I yeah, think they had that the two home and away game, row. yep. Um, their midfield, your Bonten Pallies, et cetera, are Dunkley, just... Norton. Dunk, uh, oh, not Norton. Um, McRae. Were... It's as though they were just starting. It, it, it's much, like they pre- propelled through the year, like they just got better week on yep. week on week on week together. Yes, and it, it, well, they finished the year in the same way we were talking about. Um, actually, we haven't talked about Brisbane yet, but we will. We will. Um, in the same way, the end of twenty eighteen, Brisbane really got stronger in the second half of the season, mm. um, and like Carl did, you know that by the time that they got things in motion, and they had a few. Significant things throughout the year, um, you know, the, the saying that 
you go into the year with the momentum from last year, and I think that even though they didn't push in finals, I don't think I think dogs are still happy with 2016 that. You know, they made it great. They didn't get three years in a row without making finals after a grand final because that would be a first. That would have been bad. Would yeah. have been bad. And Who was your player to watch? Uh, players to watch out for, Riley West. Um, Got a couple of games, played the games, final. But I think Bailey... Um, Bailey Smith. Smith was was more of an excitement Freak. to watch. The haircut's pretty great. Um, the, the footage from Riley West that I just... The two things about Riley West which almost made it that pick worth it, is his dad's reaction when he kicked his first goal. And I'd love to just be in his head. Like, maybe his dad knew that he was on camera and he just didn't want to get too crazy. Or maybe, like, maybe his dad wasn't feeling well that night. Like, he had a, he'd, he had gastro or something and he just didn't want to... <laughs> I don't know anything about Scotty West. I don't know if he's just that guy all the time or if... Well, how about John Blakey when Nick took that big mark and John Blakey's just sipping on his water bottle? <laughs> <laughs> Footy dads, right? Oh, You're not as good as me. <laughs> not a, you'll, you'll get there one day, maybe. Um, but the other is the whole when uh, Beveridge introduced him as a Bulldogs player and the whole bird in the hand thing. It was very cute. That is good, Very yeah. fun. And like, I love what Beveridge is trying to do. It, even though it didn't quite work exactly <laughs> to plan. It was just so, like, so wholesome. Yeah. And that brand of... That breed of coaches, including your Fagan and um, your Teagues, and, and that next level of coaches where it's about relatability and it's about emotion and about not emotion, emotional awareness as mm. much as um, physical and um, skills awareness. Yeah. Is, that's where it's all going to, and I think that's why a lot of these coaches that are coming from assistant coaches are getting the job because. It's not that these other coaches are bad. It's just that this is particularly for the younger players coming in. The emotional awareness and the emotional relatability yeah. is the... Relationships are so important. It's so important. And I think it's... it's um, Beverage is fantastic, fantastic at it. And we'll never forget David Teague's LinkedIn joke. Um, oh. Love it. Um, I just can't wait for Tom DeCone to get more games, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> um, my player to watch was Aaron Norton. Uh, played every game, kicked 32 goals after just two in 2018 because he was a defender. Mm. Um, I love those stories of, yeah. you know, your Liam Jones Liam and Jones. Levi Casbolt. Levi Casbolt. Um, he proved- that's someone who we were talking about before with not enough forward pressure that's changed around it. Anyway. Heath Grundy. Um, <laughs> Norton proved to be a match winner more than once. And at 19, he's 19. His presence up forward is is really impressive, and it, he averaged more than two contested marks a game. So he su- proved to be reliable, consistent, the guy that you could hang your hat on going mm. forward. And when they've done all this stuff to trade in Shaqy and trade in all these guys, now that those guys don't have the pressure of being the number one guy up there, they've been able to perform better too. Yep. And it's all off the back of Norton being in their forward line. Yep. And I think it's wonderful. And we know how I feel about the dogs, but truly that was one of the best things this year was seeing Norton dominate Mm. after being a defender in his second year of footy, going forward, becoming the main guy and then making everyone else better in the process. Yep. It's just awesome. And that's, I think that's one thing that you mentioned about drawing the best defender. Yep. And then it, it doesn't just make you better because you have to then perform 
you know, you think of all the old school full forwards, like your Jason Dunstall, Danny Frawley battle. You know, think of those, you have the best defender because yeah. you're the best forward. But then, this, yeah, the second best forward gets the second best defender. But So they're able to shine twice as hard because if there's a disparity there in skill level. But this is the conversation the about Buddy as well, isn't it? Mm. Anyway, let's not make it better. And imagine, like, okay, it's, I'm going to slightly go down that for a split second. Always. If you have Buddy and you have Danaher, so we get to round 18 next year and they're both... And Tom McCartan. I was just going to use those, those Yeah, but two. Tom McCartan. <laughs> and this is a hypothetical. It doesn't yeah. need an answer, but who are you going to put your... They're both tall. They're both athletic. They can both kick from outside 60. It's outside 60 and they've got a good grab on them. How do you put that with your defence? Well, that's Jack Rewald and Tom Lynch this year, wasn't it? Mm. Well, we'll get to them in a minute, but... Yeah. Um, okay, who was your player under the pump? Player to fall out. I had Libba was one to fall out. He of was favor. mine as well. Yeah. He had a pretty up and down season, I think. He really found some form alongside that Bontepelli, McRae, Dunkley kind of midfield trio. But then he went down with an injury and then he required surgery. Yep. He signed a contract extension, so it's kind of all balanced out and yeah. been a neutral season for him. His first half of the year had some, you know, I know you don't like to talk about the fantasy points and whatnot, but he was averaging over 100 a game for the first that's 10 or 12 games. because he was tackling and doing yep. those sorts of things, which are really important. And that's the thing I think that the dogs really needed in their midfield was someone that wasn't just going to go after the ball. Yep. And because they've got Bondapelli to do that, they've got McRae to do that, they've got Dunkley to do that. And I know Dunkley is a two-way player very much, but, you know, they have those guys. Who's going to do the other stuff? And this yeah. is the question about Geelong. Without Scott Selwood there or without Mitch Duncan there, who does that other stuff for them? So I think when Liberatore was in, he was the balancing guy. Yep. Um, and yeah, he's the sort of one, he got average 12 handballs or so a game at, 75%. So, yeah. you know, he's he's going to get it out from under and get out to someone like you, Bontempelli's. And then follow up with pressure on the opposition. Yeah. Um, season highlight? Uh, I, I sort of mentioned it before, whereas watching them... Dismantle yeah, Essendon? Yeah, well, yes, that too. But the, the way in which their second half of the year mm. showed that this is... And, and the comments around it were, this is the Bulldogs that we saw at the end of 2016 that, that really did it, really got it. But um, they've still got a few moves to make, I think, before they can get that, that consistency every week. Mm. But, um, you know, when you sort of see, I had a, who was it? Some Richmond person I know said that Richmond was everyone's second favourite team of 2017. I was that's like, no. not true. Western Bulldogs was everyone's second team. Oh, that's also not true. <laughs> well, no, if you're going to pick Western Bulldogs over Richmond in that, in the story. Can I like, pick neither? You can have neither, but I think I think Western Bulldogs though is is a team that's kind of you know the story of Western Bulldogs is great. I know you're shaking, sitting here shaking your head at me, but I'm not. I'm looking at someone suggesting the Swans trade Tom McCartan, and I it breaks my heart every time someone suggests that. <laughs> I think that. I think that the 21 consecutive goals was an interesting thing for such a young team to show yep. how ruthless they can be. Yep. And that was a big sign. And I thought on the whole for their season that they'd overperformed. But when they did that, I was like, okay, a switch has actually been flipped. Yep. 
it's not just a team that's kind of rolling through doing a bit a bit of stuff right. They put the foot down and then they didn't take it off. That's it. That happens so often where the foot comes off. When you know you're going to win the game and you take off the pressure, they didn't do that. I mean, they let them get, what, three goals in the last quarter. But when you've kicked 21 goals 21 in a row. consecutively, you know? I think that, particularly that in performance and their last half of the season, really highlights the conversations that were had in the off-season after 2016 grand final. That, that was GWS's year. And the Bulldogs are a few years ahead of where they should have been. And you look at where they are now, and you look at that back end, you're like, right. This is it. Bulldogs is hitting their straps now. And it's unfortunate that they've lost a couple of players, Tom Boyd and... Um, well, Morris and... Uh, the name slips on mine have retired Picken. from... That's Pickett. the three. Yeah. Picken, Morris and... Um, Before their time. You know, they... Picken and Boyd, yeah. Yeah. So, if you think about it like that, like, okay, Bulldogs... Maybe they wouldn't have had a hangover in 2017 if they hadn't won. So maybe they might be six months or a year. You know what I mean? That might have adjusted it. But the point where they're at now is where is the, is the predicted timeline. And then the GWS was. So like if that gets up and that pressure and that team, then it'll be, I think they'll finish a lot stronger at the end of 2020. Obviously, 20? behind St Kilda and uh, behind Sydney and Carlton, you know, they'll finish fourth behind <laughs> no, us I, in Brisbane. I, I, just think it's, I just think it's interesting that you say that because in 2016, they were very much flying by the seat of their pants, having relied on senior players who they then lost throughout the course of the year. Mm. So it was like the B team were playing, yep. but now it's the A team that are going well, to grow that together and that, that are growing together. Yep. As a, just like we talk about the stalker thing with Carlton. It's better to get a high quality talent in that's going to grow with them yep. rather than year on year just getting one guy in each time. Yep. And that's what they're starting to build here. Yep. Um, what was your season low like? Uh, I think it was uh, having to lose Tom Boyd mm. and losing Pickin. Mm. Um, Don't know what was also bad about those three retirements? The fact that I had to see so many fucking highlights of the 2016 grand final on my Twitter feed <laughs> all year. Every time there was a retirement, I was like, God damn it. it was well, at, least, at least you made a grand final in relatively recent memory. So We've you can, made many, thank I know. you. I'm just, I'm just saying that 1999 was a long time 20 ago. 20 years, mate. Um, but I think that not so much a low light for me personally. I think a low light for football community, but also for the fans of the Bulldogs. And for the players who had to make those choices. Yeah, yeah, And, you know, some are in their control and some are out of their control in the sense that, you know, Pickett would have kept playing. Pickett definitely would have kept playing. But that's... Yeah. It's a choice that needed to be made. Needed to be made. Yeah. yeah. Um, mine was not showing up once they did make finals mm. because they proved... It was kind of the opposite of 2016 where... They played all their good football before they got there, whereas in 2016, they did the opposite. Yeah. Um, we keep comparing it to them. But um, I know that GWS ended up being grand finalists, but they just had no answers for the Giants' forward line. Yeah. And that's probably something they'll look at heading into next year is when we're up against more than one tall forward, what are we doing? Yeah. And um, it's just interesting that they maybe they were a little bit like we, we smashed them a couple of weeks before and then Giants Complacent. were ready. Yeah. 
So um, it was just a disappointing way to end their season, considering the way the back half of the season yeah, went. Absolutely, um, we kind of went over the general feeling, but I, I do think that the inclusion of Sam Lloyd went really underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, I rated him really highly at Richmond, um, but he obviously couldn't get games there. He was very consistent for them, didn't really miss a game, and also kicked straight, which is something that very few people were able to do this year. So I think he needs to be mentioned, and I think he, their list now yeah. is far more balanced than it has been for probably five years. Yeah. So it's interesting going forward looking at that. It is a team a team that's building together and, mm. you know, it, injuries can do anything, but um, you'd hope that with a lot of, you know, if they get a couple of taller, tall, particularly taller forwards, I think it was a taller forwards that I'm more after, it was a taller backs. I'm trying it looks to remember, like they're getting one of each. Which is what they were after. Yeah. You know, they, that's, they struggled with the height, particularly when they played Carlton that, that game in, well, that was a highlight for me, but it wasn't a highlight for the dogs when, you know, we beat them and by one got a hundred points, but that was a real highlight, particularly with having such a taller forward line. Yeah, which worked against that's us in some points. That's how you exploit them a little bit, and yeah. that's what the Giants were able to do. Yeah, um, improved decline or plateau in twenty twenty. I think they're going to have a really positive twenty twenty. Again, if they finish the end of the season the way the sorry they start twenty twenty the same way as they finished it, and their off season really. They build on that. Um, I think they're going to be a te- an exciting team mm. to watch just because of the midfielders elite and if they get the height, the height and the key position players that um, can fill those gaps, you know, there's no reason why they can't be pushing for finals again next year. <coughs> I just breathed and started joking. Sorry. Um, I have them plateauing purely because I think that they'll just make the the bottom half of the eight next yep. year. They'll still be in finals. It's funny to say plateau because in my head I'm like, plateau? That's, but yeah, it's about right. They'll, yeah. be, they'll be the sort of six to nine. I don't think that they'll push for top four, but I think they'll challenge come finals. Yep. And they'll f- screw up a few teams along the way. Shall we move to the Giants who finished sixth with 115.4%. I had them third to fifth, so I was close. I had them sitting at sixth. So you got that one right? Sorry, I had him sitting at eighth. Sorry. which you got that one wrong. Pretty close. (laughs) Um, Player to watch, who was yours? Toby Green? No, I didn't uh, didn't have Toby Green. Um, I, my my player to watch and player to fall out of favour was the same person. I had Shane Munford. Ah, yes. Because I was really interested to see after having the time off and then coming back and then all of the the issues off off season. Yeah. I, I had noted that he wouldn't last the season. He like he wouldn't he he's, he wouldn't make first string ruckman for the end of the year. Now played the whole year. He played the whole year. Had some moments where he was average, but his final was bad. His grand final grand was bad. Final but was then you bad. think of like the thing that sticks in my mind was that dummy against uh, Penderbury in the. Oh, it was the best. It was just such. Oh a, my god, it was so it good. It looked like a. It looked like a a uh, an old. Player who used to play in the firsts and country footy oh. has joined back and played a couple played a couple of games in the thirds, and the, the smaller, faster thirds player not being able to be outmatched by the older, bigger, smarter former firsts premiership. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he just is like, I, was, I may be slower, but I'm smarter and I can oh. bash the 
sod out of you. I was at that game and the moment that happened, everyone was just like, holy shit. Yeah. It was so good. In the goal square of all places. Oh, at a crucial moment of the game as yep. well. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> I had Jack Caldwell. Um, yeah. He played just the two games late in the season. He performed his role well without being outstanding. I think he'll get more of a run of it next year. But I was surprised he didn't, he didn't considering their injuries, didn't yep. get more of a run. Um, but it is what it is. It's tough. It's tough in a team. And as we go up to some of these teams, I think with Richmond being the exception, when you've drafted, even the, the talent that we've spoken about, how strong the, this last draft was, it's tough to get those games, those AFL games into some of these players because you've got such a strong team to start with. Yeah. That, you know, if Jai Colwell had gone to a, a lower team would have oh, played. If he was at St Kilda, he would have played every game this year. Yeah. So, you know, will that work well? You know, living an extra year to, you know, eat a hot meal and sit in the gym and play seconds and really, you know, time will tell if that's Well, look at Isaac Rankine towards the end of the year. Yep. There was no point playing him. Let him keep going in the kneeful and then yep. unleash him next year. Exactly right. Whereas then you look at, let's say, the, the Carlton team and they're like, let's just play, you know, play all the kids and give them a taste because if they get the taste, then... Yeah, we the get, get to see what they're made of as well. Mm. I mean, yep. look at, bring it back to Sydney, look at Tom McCartan in his first two years. Last year, he was the youngest player in the comp, mm. played 19 games, something like 15 games. And then this year, played almost every game as well. Yeah, He's not even 20 and he's ha- played 34 games. Like, when did yep. that happen? Yeah. That's, um, and we'll get to Cam Rainer as well. I can start throwing in some of the cup. But you look at those teams in the bottom portion ladder that, they can develop that much faster, which either means they'll get better quicker or their, their careers will finish quicker because they've had their moment. Anyway. But also for and- a key position player, that's pretty significant as yep. well. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so good for good for GWS, I guess. Um, who was your player under the pump? Oh, yours was well, Shane Mumford as well because so, I didn't think that – I yeah. think it would, be, it would have been a bit of a – It was going to be up or down. Yeah, I, I was going to be interested to see if he would last, but as you said, he – um. Yes, he lives to eat some more snags. <laughs> I had Brett Deledio, and it wasn't because I think that he was poor, like poor or anything. Just his body was going to let him down, which mm. is obviously ultimately what happened. Um, which was really upsetting. He he does retire a champion of the game, having played significant roles for both clubs. Yeah, and it's really sad. What a story! So I was going through today, and I think we've spoken about this not in this particular um, series that in history. There's only ever been four number one draft picks that have won grand finals. There's been four number one draft picks that have played in grand finals and lost. And as a B note to that, Carlton currently have four number one draft picks on their list <laughs> as of today. So, like, if Carlton won, they would double that, or if they, either way, they're going to double it. But Brett Deledio, first round draft pick in 2014, has missed out on both, has missed out on 2004. that. 2004. 2000. Sorry, said. You said 2014. Sorry, 2004, number one draft pick. To miss out on Richmond by a year and then... And then this year, this to be year on to the miss, wrong side. To be on the wrong side, but also to miss playing. Yeah. It's um, really upsetting. And he's just a good dude and you just wish the best for him and it just sucks. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. Um, immensely unlucky, but champion of the game. And he'll be well remembered by a lot of people. So, important. Anyway, uh, season highlight... We spoke about um, well, making the grand final is the first one, but that's sort of a little bit post um, post the end of the season. 
Um, I talked about it in Hawthorne, but the the snow game is always great. Well, they played terribly. They played terribly. It's not a highlight for them, but I I still think that's really it's I just, historical. I just think that historic, historic that and that dynamic. I speak good English. Clarks and saying no, nah, no sleeves. You got to go out and then yeah, GWS in the just interesting dynamics. But I like long sleeves. Yeah, I'm for as as a as our respective teams. I think the color, the solid color works, but oh, some teams Alir in long sleeves, love it. <laughs> um, I had the prelim win. Um, without a lot of important yeah. players, I actually missed watching that. I didn't. I only saw like I was working that night and had. A I was messaging you. That's right. Yeah, yes. and I was in and out of of. Uh, I was at a show and it was playing in the green room and the band was watching it. That's right. Uh, but I was in and out, so I could only see snippets and. Yeah. It's kind of I'm. Well, I'm a bit sad that I missed out on most of the finals because of that. Unfortunately, you know, so work it's hard happens. To, yeah. Work in the music industry, that's going to happen. Well, you know, work in any industry unless you, you know, work a nine to five, which would be the dream. But even then, it's moving not. forwards, um, GWS um, Strong Collingwood team, missing a lot of players, rebounding after a poor first quarter. Like, it had everything yep. for them. And then it had them hold, holding on in the last moment as well. So, it was... The comeback and then the hold on and yeah. the no Lockie Whitfield, the no Cornelio, the no Toby Green. Like, there was so much about that game. And then making their first grand final, so much about of it. About everyone, it. So, that was the other big thing is everyone getting behind them in that week. Well, not everyone, but the, the general sway and the, and the big, big sound memes. And it's funny all those memes popping up because I remember I messaged you as soon as they won and I messaged a few people I'm like oh have you heard the news and people are like what and there's a big big sound <laughs> and then like a day later seeing all the Simpsons related memes and everything that was I think the goodwill towards GWS in that week was really valuable and their social media team and Dude, yeah and they've done well in the women's as well in yes. terms of their social and engaging the community and that sort the, of stuff the, their, their engagement with the community and the story with was it Cornelio? It wasn't Cornelio with the wallet. It was... Um, oh, that was Jeremy Cameron. Jeremy Cameron with the wallet and their whole, like, you know, trying to outdo each other on random acts of kindness and trying to having that, that group which yeah. came out after that. And, you know, I think as much as they're a bit of the heel to, to take the, you know... I like them. <laughs> it's... No, but they've got that little bit of a, like, you know, underdog, oh, bad Green. boy rep. But, yeah. You know, you, you don't know... Too, you mostly don't know too much of them because they're in a different part of the world, you know. And so I think that it humanises them a bit, but at the same time, I still think we're a little bit burnt by that grand final. I think... How badly they play, yeah. Yeah, but... I think when you're playing a Richmond or if they were playing Collingwood, some of those teams, or I suppose if they were playing a Carlton as well, or it was a Sydney, Sydney, you know, Sydney GWS grand final, that would have been a bit tougher. But, you know, I think having a team like that, that has no real enemies, there's only like Bulldogs. It's manufactured enemies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it was, uh, it was nice to get around that week. And I think they just played their grand final the week, week before, um, season low light. Mine was <sighs> Callan Ward's season-ending knee injury. It was shattering, yeah. I think, not only for him but for the club. And seeing him sad on the sidelines yep. was devastating. Like he's the heart and soul of that club alongside yep. Cornelio, and the fact that they both went down, I think, in the same game almost, and just that the spirit, the stomach just came out of that club. 
Yeah. And it was just, and I know that they won the game off the back of it, but after that, it was just, that was just really disappointing. Yeah. I think that, I think the, um, we spoke about Delidio before mm. and also the Toby Green. Oh, okay. It's just a disappointing, like. It's disappointing that he hasn't been reined in by them. Surely they yeah. have more uh, more influence over him than yeah. what they're suggesting they do. Yeah. And is it a case of the more they tell him, the less likely he is to listen? It's one of those things. Or, like, where does that... Because he did it in the grand final, too. There was, like, in the first 10 minutes of the grand final, he's and you're just like... You don't learn the lesson. Toby, like, you haven't learned the lesson. And maybe you do thrive on the negative energy that gets thrown your way, and that's okay. And maybe you should have been playing football in, you know, 1975 to 1987 era, and you would have probably run rings around them. But... You just can't do it. You can't do that today. And that shouldn't be the way you show off your talent by doing that. Like, you're too talented to do that. But Yeah. If you were slower and you were nearing the second half of your career, like, you know, I don't want to throw any current players on, but we can think of a couple that, you know, you start slowing down, your body's not able to do the things your mind can do, so you just... Lash out. Lash out a little bit. Well, that's exactly what Judd did as well. Hmm. With the Anyway. Um, General feelings on their season? I don't think... They deserved to be in the grand final. I don't say deserved in that they didn't play well enough. I just didn't feel it. It was an anticlimactic kind of thing. Yeah, but even before, if we if we are recording this as of twelve p.m. on the last Saturday in September, so before the result, mm. I don't think that that was unexpected by any means them to make it. No, even though I said before, it's much like we said before that twenty. 2015, 2017 GWS was like, what do they say? That's the Ferrari. Whereas now it's more like a really well-tuned like Commodore or something. Like it's, but it you know had, I mean? it's, it's it still... had flashes of 2016 Bulldogs. Yeah. Because it was, the core was injured. It had to be the yep. young guys stepping up, blah, 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 blah. And the grand final, they were in it for a quarter and then, three kind of disheartening free kicks went against them and they just every, lost everything and out. gave up. They're more now, that old saying, a, a champion team beats a team of champions and I feel like they're more leaning towards that champion team, a team that is working better together... Than a whole bunch of individuals. Than a whole bunch of great individuals and that's where I see their year. Which is quite exciting though. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think you can't be, I don't think you can be too mad at a team that made a grand final. I'm fairly positive about them. I can and be as mad as I want about any team. Go for it. I'm just uh, <laughs> No, no, you but yeah, you, you, that's you're right though. I think there's this weird and we kind of touched on it, but I think there's this weird consensus that they lack heart because they're manufactured, but I think that the grit they showed in the face of the injuries they had this year and all the stuff that was going on mm. externally the grit they showed to come together and actually make a grand final is impressive and no one's really been saying that. Yeah. But you think about who they were missing for all of or part of the season. Ward we touched on, Cornelio we touched on, but Green, as much as we don't like him and some of the stuff he does, he's incredible. Yep. Uh, Jeremy Cameron played how many games injured and still won the Coleman? Yep. Um, They had Deledio out. On a regular basis. I mean, he only played a handful of games. Mm-hmm. They had Whitfield get his appendix out. Of that was incredible. Heading into final. Like, you know that 
they were able to do things off the back of young players. Tim Taranto, and Jacob Hopper. In the grand final, they Brett had... Brett Daniels. Yeah. It was... Sorry. No, no. That's... It's... I think we're getting to a point with GWS where the quote-unquote manufactured thing is like, right, they're now a team. Yeah. They're a team who's got a culture. Yeah. And they're a team who have a rightful place to be there. 100%. In the um, I was watching a documentary, the 1996 uh, AFL centenary, um, where they do the 100 years of, of football the other day and... They talked, you know, the names of which team it was slipped my mind, but they were talking about, it might have been North Melbourne in the... 1996. No, 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 it wasn't in 96, but oh. it was about AFL up until centenary years. So it was like, that. here's a hundred year recap of football. Oh. It's amazing. If you haven't seen it, it's it's worth, the quality is not so great on YouTube, but it's a wor- it's, it gives this amazing rundown of the history. Is this what you watch while you listen to trade radio? No, this is what I watch with my girlfriend while we've cooked dinner and we'll sit and watch it together. <laughs> um, but there was a team that they were talking about and there's a few teams where they were de- describing this particular team at this particular time. It might have been the North Melbourne post-10-year rule and they got on a bunch of older players and yeah. they made this team and it was ferocious and they just and it was sounded the way they described them it sounded very much like the way that GWS was playing this year. And I wish I'd written it down at the time. I thought, I'll remember that. I'll remember that when I go and chat with Gemma on on Monday. Um, but it's, yeah, it's very much the team playing like that. And it's just unfortunate that they got to that day and they had no ticket, no field tickets left to yeah. kind of get across the line. Yeah. I, if anything, they've made me like them more this year. Uh, Sands, Toby Green. Yep. That I like them a lot more this year than I ever have before. Not that I disliked them before, but I've come around to them in a big way. And I was hardcore rooting for them against Collingwood. And yeah. I'm not someone that notoriously dislikes Collingwood. I just really wanted to see the Giants play well. And then in the grand final, again, that was a terrible day for me personally. <laughs> um, improved decline or plateau in 2020? Um, look, when we get to the end of the season, if we're taking it from that... I definitely think that they um, they'll plateau or improve. I don't think that they're it, actually. It's a hard one. On a wrote a note, wrote a note down. Will it be like a a team that like an Adelaide in ninety seven in two thousand and seventeen, where that's a long they, Adelaide won in ninety seven. They won. <laughs> um, where I'm not going to say that uh, GWS are going to go into training camp, etc. But the, the um, the post the grand final shook Adelaide and they... That tells people what you're made of, post or losing yeah, grand final. That's it. And it might take them a few weeks. Like, obviously, we know that some teams take a bit longer to kick into the season after a grand final, particularly a, a loss like that. It's a hardening loss. But there are teams who then have taken a loss and flipped it and used that as positive. the fire under their belly. So... I'm kind of going to sit on the fence on them only because it'll be interesting to see how their internal reaction is um, to the loss. Mm. And we're constantly talking about their, you know, trying to get their salary cap space with all of the players they've had and all the concessions and trying to balance that back out to the, you know, the standard level. So And they want to get Tom Green from their academy 
which is going to be interesting. Yeah. Because if Sydney retains pick five, the Sydney might just steal might him just out from under there them. There you go. Another yeah, player. Right. Um, I have them declining, but not by much. And I only say this is because I worry about their ruck situation. Yep. Um, I think their team balance is a little bit off. They got exposed in that ruck department a little bit. I mean, in the fourth quarter against Collingwood, it was Brody Grundy that created the comeback and Shane Mumford, other than his little kind of selling the candy, was clearly outplayed. Yep. And I th- I don't see anyone coming through to be the guy after that for them. Yep. Um, so I think that is an issue for them, but also team balance with movement. They've got players coming back from injury. They've got the retirement of Delidio. They've got this, they've got that. How is their team going to look next year and what's the balance going to be like? Because at the moment, yes, they have kind of that, handful of stars and they have this they have that but I don't know across the board how they put a team structure together yeah um yeah that's and I say decline based on I don't think they'll make a grand final but they'll still be quite good next year yep uh, they grand final probably not yeah finals I think that they would be yep. safe it's a safe bet they're pretty, pretty consistent with their finals to mm. um to make so far so Shall we move on to the Eagles in fifth place? Let's move on to the reigning, the former reigning premiers. Former reigning premiers, so just the Eagles. <laughs> um, they finished fifth with 112.5%. I had them first to fourth, top four. I had them sitting at fourth, so yeah, we're so pretty, pretty close. Uh, my player to watch was Dom Sheed. He had the most consistent and impressive season of his career. Um, he polled 12 Brownlow votes. His previous best was three last year. Mm-hmm. Um, really solidified himself as an important cog in the Eagles team. And I think the fact that he's a really balanced player inside and outside um, is is really important for the Eagles. He delivered the ball well inside 50 throughout the season and then he also kicked 16 goals of his own. So I think his balance as a player, spectacular, well-deserved Brownlow votes, big fan. They've got a really well-oiled machine, I think, West Coast. Oh, my God. Then with Tim Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that's, so excited that's, for this. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. I thought he might have ended up at Fremantle, to be honest. I thought maybe it was going to somehow happen. But nah, the Eagles are always going to get that done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who was yours? My player to watch was Andrew Gaff, just to see how he would... Bounce back. Bounce back. And like, you look at his year, averaging over 30 disposals, averaging 20 kicks a game, like... Three tackles a game, seven Good marks. Player. Like, just was like, yep, I did that. That's not me. And running around like a madman, just like. And also, he covers a lot of ground. And yeah. they have a charity that gets X number of foods for homeless people, I think, based foods on every <laughs> food. Meals is the word I was going for. Um, for home, homeless people, I think. Based look at that, on that sounds really interesting. Based on how many kilometres he runs. So, each kilometre oh, is wow. X number of meals, I think. Let me, um, let me have a look while you tell us more about But he runs Andrew like Gaff. 17 Ks a game or something crazy, like 14 to 17, I think. So, I think it's... I don't know whether it was instigated by him based on wanting to do better after making a poor choice last year or what it was, but it's pretty cool. Here we go. So, uh, according to the West Coast Eagles website... Um, their partner, Food Bank and AGL, uh, have a charity where uh, they'll donate 300 meals to Food Bank, AGL, so the, the, the energy gas yep. supplier, to f- 300 meals for every kilometre GAF runs during games. So GAF, this is written um, after round one. Yep. So GAF 
kickstarted the year's campaign by clocking 14Ks against Fremantle, so 4,200 meals. Yeah. Um, they donated 57,000 meals to Food Bank um, the year before. So that wasn't just through GAF, but that was part of the yeah. the West Coast's, West Coast's um, charity work. So, yeah, that's... What do we say? 300. I'm going to do a quick bit of maths on the fly. I think he averaged 14 to 17 Ks a game. Uh, yeah, so Gaff averaged around 15 kilometres a game. Mm. So times that by 300. So 4,500 a game, meals, that is, times, we'll say you play 22 games. I can't remember offhand. Yep. So that is 100,000 meals yeah, approximately. Yeah, that he, that charity... Based on him. Based on his average of 15 kilometres a game. Yeah. Which is wild. Good, good on, on him. him. What a good guy. <laughs> on um, Andrew Gaff. He smacks a dude in the mouth, but, you know, we're here now and you've proved on the ground that uh, you're an elite footballer with um, some good intentions behind you. Working hard to resolve it. Um, who was your player under the pump? Uh, I had a question mark next to Nick Nat. Not that he was under the pump. And I had a few of these players throughout my thing is just what's he going to do? How's he going to like come back from injury? What like I think there's a bunch of players who in the year before hadn't done a lot because of injury and potential elite caliber players, star players yep. who could have moved up a notch or two. And Nick Nat only really came back towards the end of the season with – and still showed why he's one of the best. Why he's rated so highly. That's it. Why he's rated so highly. His but... impact on the game, even if he's only playing 50%, is more mm. than what other players could do playing 100% game time. Like, it's incredible the impact he has. Yeah. And if you can't see it watching it, then you don't understand football. Yeah. Not you specifically, just people in general. Th- yeah, yeah. So, it's just, you know, I don't think he would, I, don't th- I still think he's a long way off falling out of favour. Yeah, but you know, you look at someone like a Joe Danaher, for example, who you know has been injured for a long period of time, hasn't been able to get to that level that has been teased, mm. and eventually there comes a point where fans are like, "We love you, but like you need to do something." Yeah, and Nick Nat is probably a season or two off that, but it'll, if he keeps just playing three or four games a year and getting injured, it's, it's not. It'll he'll yeah. get very frustrating. Mm. And it'll be frustrating for him as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, mine was Chris Marston. Chris Maston. I think Maston. So. I think it's Marston. Um, he was delisted. Uh, he still wants to play on, but hasn't been offered a contract at West yep. Coast. He still he was still fairly consistent, I think, but West Coast has an aging list and there was always going to be one or two older guys that were going to be kind of moved on in a way. And it just happened to be him. Because, yep. I mean, who are the other older guys on their list? It's Shannon Hearn, who's their captain and Australian. Yeah. Everyone else is just kind of, they've got an, seem like they've got an older list because the bulk of their players are 27, 28 yep. instead of 24, 25. They're the ones that got developed after their really strong era and that they're those that bulk of players has moved on. And then it's mm. like, you know, in the same way we've talked about the teams that are probably finished in that um, Western Bulldogs to Carlton spots and that those 10 spots or whatever it is 
which are now developing together. Yeah. No, not all those teams in that bracket, but we've spoken about it at length. Most of them, yeah. Those, um, this shows a group that did that and is now right in the premiership window and should probably pick up another one. Should. So exciting. I'm so excited. Um, season highlight other than signing Tim Kelly. Well, that's, uh, that is post-season. So, you know, I don't know if that's a highlight. Mine is Elliot Yo. Yep. Outstanding player. Took another... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Step up into that higher echelon of player this year. He's one of the most consistent players in the comp and he's one of the best ball users you'll find. Yep. Um, Polled 17 Brownlow votes. He's incredible player in the way he's consistently performed for West Coast. Mm. Year in, year out, game in, game out. Um, he's, he's an incredible player. I don't know why we don't talk about him more. Because he's Western West Australia, yeah, yeah. Um, not so much incredible. West Coast, but that, um, yeah, just not in Victoria is the answer. Yeah, and you look at him and Jeremy McGovern in the All Australian, and Shannon Hearn, and yeah, that's what I was. You we were just talking about Shannon Hearn, right? Yeah, but you just said two of them. Yeah, that's what I said. Him and Jeremy McGovern, and Shannon Hearn. <laughs> yeah, him being Shannon Hearn. Oh, I thought you were talking about Elliot Eo. This and that who we're talking Why about. Why was I thinking Shannon? Like, <laughs> yes, Elliot Yo. Because I'm looking at. I was just checking to make sure I got my players right, and I've got the all the Australia team in front of me, and I'm looking at Jeremy McGovern and Shannon Hearn. And They're I'm, not in the Shannon Hearn's not in the photo. No, it's not the photo. It's the oh, lineup, okay. and I'm just like, I'm looking at Elliot Yo and going, yeah. And anyway. Um, Point being, yes, Elliot Yo on the interchange, great. <laughs> Shannon Hearn and Jeremy McGovern in the back line, because I was going to say, like, we're talking about the team growing together and working yeah. really well, and yeah. that's a great example Fucking of that. I love Shannon Hearn. Um, um, and they're getting the vice-captaincy for Shannon Hearn, like, you know. He should have been the captain. No, I mean, five on the brown, though, you can't really complain. Um, yeah, well, season- if you can... I was going to open a can of worms, but I might just leave that aside. So, Talking about Buddy? Um, it's great 
it really Shadow shows... should have been the vice captain last year instead of Dangerfield. It really saying. shows the... Uh, well, looking at the All-Australian, you've got five West Coast Eagles players in there. You know, you've got... Yeah, because they were really good. You've got Jeremy McGovern, Shannon Hearn, Jack Dalling, Elliot Yo and Tim Kelly. So... <laughs> <laughs> Tom, I hope you heard that. Um, what was your season low light? Do you have one? Yeah, it's sad because the whole way the Willy Rioli situation oh, God, played yeah, out. I forgot about the, that. Yeah, and not just the way that he quote unquote freaked out and you know got frustrated at the process and just like I just want to get the piss sample done and out of the way, but then the fact that they had a follow up test and he was and he had cannabis in his system, stupid. which you know this is Jaden Stevenson all over again, just stupid. Yeah, and you know that clubs aren't, in 2019, aren't stupid. They've got enough people around to be like, so, yeah, fair enough. He, he My theory is you'll probably get two, he would have gotten two years for the Tampa, and then, but now it might be a three-year suspended sentence. Which is going to ruin his career. What do you do? As a, as a younger footballer, he's not young, but he's younger, Just you know. stupidity, though, like... Ugh. It's frustrating because Danielle Ponta, who is noted Adelaide Crows premiership player, mm. she she's a cousin of all the Riolis. She was asked, who is the best one out of all mm. of them? You've seen them all play. Who's the best one? You hung out with them at family Christmas, like kicking the footy at the... She said Willie Rioli is the best one, including Cyril, including all of her uncles, including Daniel. Willie's the best one. And now he he's not going to get to play for a while because he made two stupid choices. Like... Yep. Oh, frustrating. Right. I'm sad for him as well. Like, this isn't attacking, but, like, just making stupid choices. And it's the Stevenson, Stevenson thing again as well. Like, yep. just a stupid choice, a really stupid choice. You've got the world on your on your plate mm. and you do that and throw it, like, pretty much throw it away. Like, ah. Yeah. And just the- want to shake them a little bit. Be like, have some sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the comment is that I'd heard and heard from friends of ours saying as well is, you know, if this was a someone from overseas in an Olympic sport, you know, yeah. that comment. And you kind of go, yeah, look, I, Willie, we all like you. We all think you're a great player. But the reason is that the tampering is the issue, not the drug use. You probably would have got a slap on the wrist if you just had smoked a bit of pot. Yeah. And stupid. got a strike. Just silly. My season low light was the round 23 game against Hawthorne. Oh, yeah. Just rang it in. Yeah, top four was pretty much theirs for the taking and they laid down and just allowed Hawthorne to make them look really foolish. Yeah. And it kind of, it seems like it spurred them into finals and all that jazz, but like, it just was a bad look, I think. And I I mean, there's theories that they did it on purpose so that they had an easier run through finals and all that stuff. But what team is saying no to... a second chance. A second chance. That would be the difference between, I don't know, I don't know where there's a good... Maybe finishing between first and second might be a option. Maybe, sorry, between third and fourth might be an option because you might go, okay, well, maybe. But not we dropping out of the four. No, it was just bad. They just played badly and it is what it is. But yep. I think that was their low light. Um, what was your general feeling about their season? Uh, I was expecting them to go further, deeper into September. I thought it was a. One of my thoughts was I didn't necessarily think back to back, but I definitely thought. You know, prelim, prelim, yeah. So that was a bit unfortunate, and they, you know, no doubt they probably feel that more than anyone. Um, yeah, but you I know, had, yeah, them the way they bombed out of finals 
in an effort to go back to back. It was disappointing. They really didn't have yeah. any excuses either. Like they didn't have big injury issues or yeah. anything like that. They just didn't rock up too often during yep. the year. And that's what's disappointing, I think. Whereas if they tried their guts out and just didn't get over the line, you're a bit more forgiving of that. But for a team that, of that calibre to just get there mm. and not do the job. Yeah. <sighs> um, improved decline or plateau in 2020? Well, I'd say improve. I'd say they at least make the prelims next year. I uh, think that's the... I wrote well, Tim Kelly. <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely going to... You know, I've got parallel. I don't think plateaus... Plateau and the parallel are pretty similar words. Yeah, but stay the same. I don't see it as plateau as in not being great. I see it as... And I suppose when you get to these last four teams... Plateauing is like you can't. The only it's way not you a can, bad thing. you know, and you can improve is to win the grand, win the prelim. Like uh, my opinion is that if you make a prelim, then you've had a successful. Not that you haven't had a successful year, but that's a successful year if you make yeah. a prelim. Four teams left, so um, I definitely think they'll make a prelim next year. Yeah, I reckon it Versus will. Sydney. I don't know if we've been in Sydney, but you know, I'm trying to. I'm in your house. I've got to Sean, say nice things. Sean and I have already decided it's going to be a Sydney Brisbane grand final next year. Don't worry. Um, we've now mentioned all three boys from How Good's Footy, so there you go, guys. I'm promoting you. Afro dollars at work, you know, the the (laughs) cash for comments. Yeah. They gave me a free beanie the other day, so I've got to Yeah, they gave me mine as well. Mine's out there. It's very good. Everyone should go and buy one. Um, I expect... They're probably recording as we speak. I told them to do a 70-minute Eddie Best special. Yes, you did. I did see that, actually. We'll see what happens on Wednesday when I'm uh, tuning in on uh, Play On Radio. (laughs) 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Wednesday, <laughs> 5 a.m. Thursday. Um, I do think that it'll take them a little bit of time to find that mix in the midfield early in the season, but once they find it, I think they're going to be really hard to yeah. stop. Once, once, Gaff have, once, once Gaff and Kelly have their roles and, and the but all just, the other... But oh, just think about Kelly and Shuey, Shuey passing it out to Yo and Gaff on the outside. Like, that is insane. And Josh Kennedy, like, leading him with his... Beards and potentially Nick Nat in the... Oh, my God. We, we've never seen Tim <laughs> Kelly play with a good ruck before. Oh, that's... What's that well, going to do? that's if Nick, Nick Nat plays, so... Jesus. Uh, anyway, we move on to the next team. I'm cutting your lunch to uh, introduce the next team, which we'll have after this messages Quick from break. our sponsors. <laughs> Okay, we're back to do the top four. We're going to speed through these. Um, So we're up to fourth. 117.7% was the Collingwood Magpies. I had them fifth to eighth, so about there. Yeah, Magpies I had as second. So Pretty close. We were kind of, you know, there and abouts. Um, My play to watch was Braden Sire. Um, This is probably the one that I was most wrong about other than Jai Caldwell, I think, out of all of my players to watch. Um, played just six games, got injured, then during rehab, injured himself again, playing casual basketball. I mean, it was not a great season for him. In yeah. the six games he did play, he was fairly consistent, but you can't say he had a great season. You can't say he had a breakout season, so I was incorrect. Yeah, it's uh, the casual basketball will get you. Fill in. Phil, that's, that is that's very good. Mm-hmm. We'll go down in history as... One of the great little side nuggets of... Yeah, what other ones like that can you think of? 
Well, to go, he had his hand punching well, the Christian dog. Christian Petrarca legitimately got bitten by a dog. Uh, what was the guy from Sydney who... Dane Rampage, Dane Rampage. on the chain. Yeah, playing... And Callum Mills playing gridiron. Playing gridiron. Two different was... players. No, no, I was thinking of the... Gridiron. Gridiron. Callum, so Mills. Callum Mills. But this is what I mean. We had two in consecutive yeah. seasons of important defenders. Uh, well, Idiots. You, you've got uh, Charlie Kerno who's out now as well with the same thing playing. <sighs> Dislocated his patella. Look, my thought on it is, though, that he... If his knee wasn't 100%, like, it, you know, maybe they hadn't done surgery because it wasn't that bad and now this is like okay we'll do the surgery i mean it's robert harvey jumping to snap the tendon isn't it oh in his foot yeah, yeah. that was the um i thought i had it a couple of years ago where the um liz frank liz sorry. frank or plantar fascia plantar fascia i have that it's the worst it's not great it's so painful yeah and it's easier to like i was doing for a period of time i was doing a lot of gym mm. And would get it, and it's so painful to walk in the morning. It hurts so much. You've got to jump off your bench and snap it so that it heals oh. better rather than repairing, and then, yeah, I can... Just give me a moon boot. Um, let's talk about player under the pump. Sorry, distracted. Uh, mine was Taylor Adams. He played just the 12 games. I, the team is undoubtedly better when he's in the team. Yep. Um, and he did actually improve his disposal, which I think was the big knock on his game. So I think he did – he's a very, very good player. There's a reason he's highly touted, all that sort of stuff. But I'd like to see him consistently play a season with that sort of disposal mo- more than 12 games yep. and see whether that is something that's improved in his game or if it was a one-off. Yeah. Very yeah. good player, though. I had Dane Beams. I was really interesting to see whether he would – my, my thing was, was will he shine as part of a strong team? Because mm. obviously Brisbane at that point We're not. weren't the strength that they are now. So maybe him leaving is the thing that got Brisbane, who knows? <laughs> That's what it is. Um, it's not But phase. obviously he didn't, kind of, he didn't really do too much and hadn't had the injury this year. Hip injury and mental health. So. Yeah. So, you know, and obviously with, with him actually, the reason is him going back as well. So, mm. you know, I don't think Collingwood, Collingwood have been – um, not disappointed, that's a strong word, but it would have been like, okay, well, you come into a team where you're not the – we don't rely on you to win the games, so you can have you play your role. But the fact that he was out was like, okay. It, it didn't affect Collingwood's structure. No, because anyway. they do have Trelaw, who played really well. Yep. Penderbury's still playing well at 30, what, 31, 32? Grundy is – You well, know, Grundy's yeah. the difference, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I had uh, – I was asking – Asking, I wasn't asking about him, but um, was really excited to see what uh, Isaac Quaynor yeah. would do once he got going. And he seems to be pretty clever. It's one of those players, and I think we we mentioned it just before about how in a in a weaker team he would have got much more mm-hmm. time and much more game time in a team like a Port Adelaide um, or St. like Kilda. a Carlton, the St Kilda. But at the same time, he's got so much such great leadership and such great um, experience. He's under, so that could can learn it all. Learn it all. So we'll see what Quainer does, and you know, looks looks good. He was there on the debutant this year, wasn't he? Couldn't tell you that, but uh, I'm fairly sure he had a couple was. of a couple of players who were yeah who mm. were, were drafted. That my season highlight. Well, the first thing that came to mind when I was preparing this was their qualifying final win over minor premiers. Geelong. Yeah, absolutely. They won by the 10 points, but I think 
their ability to lock down and hold on when they're under the pump late was mm. quite impressive. And considering, again, the balance of Collingwood's list, all the stuff that had happened, all the Stevenson stuff, sure. all of that, yep. the fact that in that game they could come in and do the job against one of the best teams in the comp, hold on when they were being pushed, that's pretty impressive. Yep. Um, so good on them for that. Um, low light, do you have one? Low light for them would have been the whole uh, Jaden Stevenson issues stupid. would have been we spoke about before just being stupid. Stupid. Um, because there was so much positive that came out of Collingwood this year in terms of and last year and last year players maturing and off the back of the grand final loss, like we spoke about how GWS will go and you look at well, Collingwood honourable loss, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Close match, which is even tougher, um, and just got pipped by a resilient GWS in that prelim that, you know. It was a fun game to be at, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, mine was round 15 when they lost to North Melbourne. It was just a disaster. North had no right to win this game, especially by 44 points. The fact mm. that Collingwood let that happen and didn't immediately bounce back from it, that worried me. I mean, they obviously righted the ship heading into finals, but it just was a it was a weird moment the way they laid down and lost by such a big margin. Yeah. It's just very odd to me. And I think that was probably the lowest point of their season because at least in the prelim, not the, yeah, in the prelim, they pushed, you know? They yeah. made the effort. They almost got there. Whereas in this one, it was like they just didn't even rock up. What was the point of it? To to North Melbourne of all teams as well, you know? Such a such a middle-of-the-road team. that Yeah. I think there was um, one of the things that was Lisa's big bugbear with them is that they just were never that good. And yeah, they would get to the last quarter and they, they would sit on like, you know, third or fourth gear or sit on fourth gear the whole time and then only if they had to go to fifth. But it wasn't the dominant fifth that was like, okay, well. Just get it done. You know, you, look at, you go back through and, and look at games. There was only a few, you know, the Collingwood-Carlton game when we were at our lowest Barely scraped by on that one. Well, it wasn't like you know, it wasn't like the Western Bulldogs who once they put their foot down against Essen and they kept it down. Yeah, and you, you look know. at that. You know the teams that, they, like you mentioned about North Melbourne um, losing to Hawthorne. All that you know there was thrashed by GWS. Um, the teams that were middle of the road and up were they weren't that strong against. Mm. So you know yeah. the cop done by thirty against Richmond. Um, you know, they didn't have that win against Geelong at the end, but then in the finals... Well, that was a close one. It wasn't a big win. That's it. Then the only... They had the one against Adelaide. Adelaide, by that point, round 22, were the wheels were well and truly fallen off the Crows. Yes. Oh, when will they ever return? The Suns is, a, is... I hate to say it, it's a bit of a given, but the... Don't be mean to them. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to be mean, but, you know... They're going to have both King brothers. <laughs> hey, we, we are very, uh, very strong on that one, but... Other than that, the only other, the biggest other win they had would have been against um, the Lions by 60 points early on before the Lions, like to break that Lions kind of start, you know. General feeling about the season. Um, I've said fairly positive. They copped similar injury issues as they did last year. Yep. They were able to get quite far. Their reliance on a handful of players does start to be a little bit concerning. And I think it was quite apparent in a number of their games, particularly their losses and close losses, that Grundy, Trelaw and Pendlebury were too often the guys that had to pull them out. Yep. Um, 
going forward, they really need to find more consistency across the field. So when Dugowie is on the park, he needs to be having a consistent impact on a game, which he can do when he gets up into the midfield yep. and pushes forward. Um, Will Hoskin Elliott hasn't been the same player since he's been injured. He needs to get back yeah, into some form. Because he had a delayed start. Like at the start of the year, he was out with a knee. So Yeah, so his, his marking the forward line, his creativity in the forward line is something that they really benefited from last year. Yeah. He was huge in getting them to the grand final. This year, you rarely ever saw him even. Yeah. And he wasn't really playing forward as much as he was half back or on the wing. Yeah. So those sorts of players need to come in, have consistent impacts next year, mm. I think. And Jamie Elliott, it would be interesting to see where, whether he stays. Josh at, Thomas as well. Jamie Josh Elliott Thomas. has signed on. He has signed on. Yeah. I wasn't sure if he had, but that's, you know, that just physicality, like he's just... Chunky little man running around. Doing He's just his so talented. Mm. He, if he didn't have all the injuries he had, had he'd probably be considered alongside probably Toby Green in the way he yep. plays. I think minus the Toby. minus the eye gouging. Yeah, um, improved decline or plateau in twenty twenty. Look, as much as I hate to say it, I don't want to see Collingwood in the grand final, but I definitely think that preliminary final is not like they've still got a really strong list. They've signed back on. You know if. Um, Guys like Pendlebury and Trelaw and, you know... Just give Grundy the seven years he wants or let someone else sign him for seven years. Yeah. But they have, they have their cap issues. That's what it is. And that, and that is a big issue, you know, how, how to manage that. So I still think they're very much in the premiership window and as much as I hate Eddie Maguire, I have issues with him. Um, Nathan Buckley's reinvention over the last couple of seasons. Angel. It would be nice to see Nathan Buckley with a premiership medal around his neck, but maybe not as a Collingwood coach. If I'm gonna like for my for my It wouldn't feel right though. It wouldn't feel right. Like it would be Brisbane coach, maybe. Brisbane coach or Port Adelaide coach if you're going actually that's one of the great things is that in the Port Adelaide they announced their hundred and fiftieth year. By stealing someone's logo. Allegedly. <laughs> and there's a couple of great shots in the video of Nathan Buckley in the Port Adelaide colours, like they're very intentionally Really? Well yeah, because obviously he did play a there for uh, pre joining Brisbane. Did he really? Yeah, he was a he was a Port Adelaide Magpie, and they really wanted him to stay. I didn't know that. Yeah, so um, there you, you know, go. It's funny he ended up at the Magpies. Yeah, but um, yeah, Goodness. he's a South Australian. Um, a lot of good South Australian footballers at the Swans at the oh. moment as well. Oh mate, George Hewitt, Jordan Dawson. Will Haywood. A lot of great uh, South Australian footballers at Carlton at the moment. Eddie Betts. No, then you go into the history. Like we've got a, we've got a huge history of. <laughs> Sorry, that was perfect. I think they'll decline, but only slightly, and largely similar to the Essendon one. Um, I think it's because other teams will leapfrog them more than it will be they get worse. Okay. I think, I think across the board we've had this discussion, but across the board, it wasn't a great season, and teams didn't perform overly well. I think Collingwood probably perform in a similar way, but other teams get better, and as a whole, the league is better next year. I think they'll still think they'll be in a two to four, two to six. Sorry, like in this they'll still make finals, but I think there'll be other teams ahead of them next yeah. year. Um, let's move to third. Richmond, Richmond. finished with a hundred and thirteen point seven percent. I had them three to six, so I was right. Congratulations on Richmond, and uh, I had them as one. So technically, if you go on that, the grand final winner <sighs> is one. Uh, I didn't have them winning the grand final though in my predictions. I had a different team. So, um, actually, maybe I did. I'm going to double check that. Um, my no, players. That's right, because I had a Collingwood. Uh, 
at a Collingwood Melbourne Grand Final at Richmond right. would beat lose to Collingwood in the prelim. But uh, as we know, that was very incorrect. <laughs> um, my player to watch was Noel Bolter. I think he mm. did play an important role for the Tigers in moments of the season where they were tested with injury. And when he came in, he was able to have an impact. Um, yep. Particularly in that first half of the year, he was unlucky to lose his spot heading into finals, I think, for Rewalt coming in, but that's a no-brainer. Um, yeah. He did finish the year with a VFL premiership, though, um, and he proved to be a reliable aerial target both along the wing and inside the 50, so solid player that will only improve going forward, and he kind of helps Richmond change those structures again if they do want to have more of a tall forward line or something yeah. like that. I, I like him a lot. Yeah, I think there was a really, I don't know, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but the young guys that Richmond are developing, not even developing, but plucking and mm. giving an option to, um, like Riley Collier-Dawkins had some really great time this year. Obviously, you got your Sydney Stacks. Interested to see him debut, actually, Riley Collier-Dawkins. Yeah. He was close a couple of times. Yeah, but from all accounts in the in the VFL, he was doing really well. Like, mm. He's a really good... He's way taller than I realized. Yeah, pretty... But he's, he, if you look at him, he looks real little, yeah. Um, yeah, then you look at guys like your Sydney Stack and your Marlon Pickett, and you go the year before and you look at your Jack Higgins, just kids that... Not kids, men. Jack Graham. That are untried and not given the chance, and then through that, that in any lesser club culture, and it hurts me to say because I dislike Richmond, but their club culture is incredible. Oh, it's their fans that suck. See, this is the <laughs> no, but it's you've true. just got comfortable in your seat, ready for my uh, welcome to my TED talk. This is why Richmond team is good, and why this the fans suck. Featuring Jim Bastiani. No, on I just lean forward with my <laughs> listen to me face. No, just um. And I have this, and again, bring it back to Sydney, I have this conversation about rookies all the time. And the way people are covering this, Richmond's rookies, is like no one's ever used rookies before. Oh, no. And it's just like, sorry, <laughs> Sydney 2012 grand final premiership team, rookies. They're no, the it's... way to go, but it's the development. If you can't develop your players, it doesn't matter whether they go pick one or pick 56. If you can't develop them, it's pointless. But if you can develop guys off the rookie list, that gives you so much more flexibility yep. with your salary cap, with filling gaps that you need filled on the fly, yep. all that sort of stuff. If you've got guys simmering on your rookie list that you know if you really need to bring them in, you can, it makes such a difference. And that's exactly what Marlon Pickett did. That's exactly what uh, Kane Lambert did earlier in his career. Yeah, it's by no means a new thing, but we're talking about one of the reasons why Richmond is a strength in this moment mm. is because of the club culture. And you look at things such as the grand final um, cup acceptance speech and Trent Cotchins like, thanks to our VFL team, team, thanks to our Wilderness team, thanks to our wheelchair team. And everyone had great years. Yeah. Like, so the only way, a, a great culture from top to bottom and a great environment means that everybody does well. If only it could seep out into their fans. Anyway, who was your... Did you choose a player to watch? Um, I I had down Jack Higgins because we were all really excited last year and obviously are watching him for different reasons than his on-field stuff. So, you know, it's great to see that things are tracking okay. And He seems pretty cheerful. About. Yeah, you know. Hope he's all right. 
best wishes Shouting to him. Shouting out to Jack Higgins, who's now he listens, no, he listens regularly. regularly <laughs> while he's, but um, who was your player under the pump? Oh, I'd said player to fall out of favour was that Tom Lynch because he wouldn't get his body right all season. But oh, played every single game. That's because I have a strong dislike of Tom Lynch. Why don't you like him? Well, firstly. I'm going to show you a photo of Tom Lynch here, which is the uh, the AFL sanctioned uh, photo on his, you know, on his AFL app, and he just looks like a sad. I know this is a a medium, a audio medium. That's just his face. He just looks like a sad, like miserable little boy. I don't think that. I don't think that it was handled him leaving Gold Coast very well. But I think that was on both sides. The club handled it poorly, just like he did. I just don't like. I don't like him. I don't. You know. I mean, I'm not here I to make like you he like sits him. In the but... Gold Square and everyone like. Yeah, there's the old school full forward that like. But he does doesn't it. play like that though. He plays. He he does so much. He plays like a small forward and a tall forward, especially in the wet. Look at his stats in the wet, or watch his highlights when they played in the wet. Incredible. He takes contested marks, but he also tackles. He gets the ground ball. He gets the contested ball. He's a very good player. There's a reason there was hype about him. I don't know why I'm defending him so much because... It's not going to change my opinion. But I just think there's a reason there was hype about him. I'm frustrated about the free agency thing and all of that sort of stuff. But realistically, he's a great player and he went to a club that he could excel in. And he played every single game, kicked a lot of goals, and he won. And we know that I don't like Richmond at all. So the fact that I'm doing this is quite remarkable in itself. It's enjoyable own. to watch. Yeah, you've got a wry smile on your face. But truly, like, I think that for a 26-year-old to have a season like he did, went under the radar largely after he debuted for them. Kicked 63 goals for the year, which is a healthy amount. Let's he, he was incredible. We can't ignore that. He, he, I don't think he missed – he had a game where he missed a goal or anything or I don't think he had any, many games without any goals. Let me have a look. He had – ah, the only game this year where he kicked zero goals. Was the grand – no, he kicked two in the grand final. No, he kicked zero against Sydney in round five. <laughs> there you go. No, huh? and then in Western Bulldogs. So he, he went having three, three, four and six – so he had 16 in his first four games, and then he went 0-1-0-2. And then was consistent after that. And then 3-2-1-1-1-2-3-3-2. Yeah. And then against... Yeah, and that's end. when Jack Rewalt's coming back into the side, so he's not the only guy up there. Like, but again, I think Jack Rewalt's was... another player who I have strong feelings in the negative four. So... All right, let's not talk about that. Um, my, my player under the pump was the controversial choice of Alex Rance. Obviously missed the season through injury. You can um, thank Carlton for that. But I think what but was... But I think that actually made him stronger. I think that that's but the conversation. But this is what I mean. He's a better... When he made the All-Australian in one... Or was it the best... Oh, best backman in the... It's like, well, he's at Richmond at that time and it's kind of proven again this year that are a better team without him in the side. I think... Yeah, exactly. I think it showed how much the other guys do that he gets the credit for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the organization and ball reading ability of Grimes and Asprey has pretty much always been accredited to whatever Alex Rance is doing. But this year they were able to shine as their own people because he wasn't there and mm. they continued to do the good things 
and they were the most the stingiest defense in the league and all that yeah, sort of stuff. That's true. Without him, and I wish everyone would stop being like, "Oh, Richmond are getting the best recruit next year because they get Alex France back." How much better can their defense get? Like, clearly, that makes no sense when people say things. It like annoys that. the like, shit out of me, Damien Barrett. <laughs> it's like it's that, and the other one that really annoys me is like, "Oh, Carlton got pick the pick swap." It's like we got Liam Stocker, Liam Stocker, and pick. <laughs> Nine. Yeah. And Adelaide only got pick six. Four. Pick four, sorry. So, like, again, we've just been rotting Adelaide. Anyway. Yeah, Adelaide are a mess. Season highlight for you? Um, season highlight. It's really hard to go past. A premiership? A premiership. <laughs> it's hard to go past the, um, yeah, the Marlon Pickett story and the fact that he won best on ground the VFL and was within, you know, another, maybe another goal or two of winning best on ground. of. He got votes, yeah. He got he came second from my memory. Oh, I think he f- might have come third. third. Okay. But if he kicked another couple of goals, he might have, yeah. you know, wouldn't have taken much more. A lesser player, like any lesser than a Dusty Martin who is exceptional, he might have got it. But then I also think one of the things that I think was really fantastic was the – Sydney Stack, Eddie Betts. Um, oh, so moment. good. I love that. And watching so all the Eddie much. Betts highlights today, just re highlighted, re brought it up again. And, you know, him at the Indigenous game where he did the war dance. Uh, my season highlight, pretty much, yeah, Premiership. It's hard to go past an all encompassing team performance. That yep. to me is a really big thing. So that is what they showed. Um, season low light for you? Uh, Season low light. Mm. I have the round 12 loss to Geelong by 67, followed by the round 13 loss to Adelaide by 33. Um, yeah, that was very unexpected. That it was one weird. And it was clearly like the kick in the pants they needed to get that roll on in the back half of the season. But yep. um, it was not a good time. Yeah, I just... Uh, just watching Richmond, like watching Tom Lynch and the Jack Rewalt, that's my... Lowlights of the year. I just don't like them very much. But they did great things for that forward line. Yeah. So I, there's only so much really that I can complain about. I guess the Jack Higgins is a low light as well for them. That's 100% a low light. And, you know, they just, it took them a little while to get off the ground. Like, you know, a couple of big losses early on. But uh, once that kicked in, it was. Very hard to stop, you know. That lost to actually that lost to Geelong by sixty-seven points. Sixty-seven points. It was a pretty um, yeah. That was significant. Um, and it was at the MCG. General and then f- to Adelaide, so back-to-back losses. Yeah, by but then, but then just romping it in the rest of the way. But the the thing I've got problem with that is winning every game from there. But you look at how many games were at the MCG, even the home and all. It's just you can't give somebody who was a preliminary finalist. Like that many games at the MCG in a row. I've literally got that general feeling on the season. It, it must be nice to not have have to leave your home ground for your last seven home and away games and then any Victorian finals, you play it there as well. Even if you're not the home, you don't yep. get to win the home. Like, yes, it, impressive final series. Yes, they played well in the grand final, yes, all that, but it's always going to have that caveat of the luck or the luxury that other other clubs do not get. Yeah. 
it's just simple as that. And like Richmond fans can uh, rebut that all they want, but it's the fact that you get you get advantages that other clubs don't. Yeah, and it's as simple as that. So every grand final you win, you can bask in. Yes, your club is good, but you also got a lot more than what other clubs get. Yep. So then you can't complain when then you get you lose a player and then you oh we only got this pick. It's like hold on a second. Like the you free get agency, everything out. The free agency stuff should have a limit. Like if you make the grand final and you lose a a middle, well it's not a middle of the road player, but like a you know a player that is decent but not your A grade. Well, they've, they've been able to lure plenty of free agents into their club. And, the, yeah, anyway. Oh, boy. Um, improve, decline, or plateau in 2020? Well, it's hard to improve. I say decline just because I don't think they're going to win the flag <laughs> next year. Yeah, I don't know how you can say improve unless, unless they you go through like Essendon and lose season. one yeah. game. Winless which season. is not... Lossless season. I think it's too hard at the moment to do that with your teams that we've already mentioned and, mm. you know, your Brisbane's, your Collingwood's, your West Coast's, uh, and we'll get to Geelong's in a minute. And then the team's on the up. Like, I'm really, really excited for round one. Like, two years ago, start of 2018, um, you know, we led them by a fair we bit. kicked the first five goals five in the game. Five goals and then, you know, let it go. This year was a bit... Less one-sided, so I'm worried it might be... But Charlie Kerner. Charlie Kerner, yeah. And we'll have Eddie, and it'll just be like, oh. they'll be coming off... I'd love someone to go through and, and tally how many times we've talked about Eddie Betts so far in this I mean, it's, it's a great vibe. It's fresh. It's hot off the press. <laughs> um, but that, again, that game, like, could we get up for the first time? I don't think so, particularly with how everything's panned Never out for know. them. But... The Richmond supporters will be there, and it's a Carlton home game this time because it's Richmond last time. So they've got a deal where it's mm. flips, but they then the, the the ticket sales are fifty fifty every year. That's good. So regardless of who it is, it's always that's perfect. I think it was fifty fifty or maybe sixty forty. Like it's it's. Pretty, I feel like Queen's birthday is something similar. It might be because it's such a big game, and you know you're going to get seventy eighty thousand. And also because they have the slide and stuff as well. That was a lot of fun to be there this year. Actually, we didn't mm. talk about it with Collingwood. That was a highlight of. Yeah, uh, Queen's birthday game, game. Not so much. Game, not so much. Um, to take we... a bunch of Americans who became Collingwood supporters after that, so that comes low light. <laughs> should we talk about Brisbane? Let's talk about Brisbane. Who finished second? I'm very happy to talk about Brisbane after the last few teams I have minimal interest in. <laughs> they finished second with 118.3 percent. I had them tenth to fourteenth. I was wrong. Yeah, I had them twelfth. We were pretty much in agreement that. Like my original thought was that they'd be unlucky to miss out on finals, but would start the year. It'd be close games, really and stuff. strong, but kind of just lose that with a younger list overall. Mm. Um, I would, wouldn't have the same stamina in the back end, but I was completely opposite. It's just yeah, incredible. Um, my player to watch was Cam Rayner. So I had mm. a look at this and um, his consistency is what's always impressed me about him. Yep. And just on the topic of that, I was just looking at his stats, right? So did you know that since he's debuted, he's never missed a game? So he's played... Uh, 46 games in his first two years. That is incredible. He's kicked 20 goals in both of his first two seasons and he's laid 52 tackles in each of his first two seasons. And it was really great to see him head into finals this year and stand up to the finals pressure. Had it not been for a little bit of inaccuracy in front of goal, he would have been the best on ground in that um, first final. Like he was going to pull his team out and win it for them. 
he's such an exciting player and people seem to have like forgotten about him a little bit. He was a number one draft pick for a reason. Yeah. And he's not missed a game. Like this is unbelievable what he's doing. And clearly Fagan is getting the best out of him as well. He so is exciting. someone that would be I th- I have the feel that you know, we're talking about old mate Eddie Betts a lot, but this is a like this is a guy who could be the next generation's Eddie Betts. Dustin Martin. He plays more like Dusty. Plays more like Dusty, but just a player that is exciting to watch, does things. Good character as well. Good character. You know what I mean? Not not doesn't not necessarily position wise, but will make things happen and when he's on he's just Special. Special. Yeah. Special. <laughs> Who was your play to watch? Uh, I did have Cam Rayner in the mix. Um, I had said that uh, I was looking out for Hitwood. I keep saying that Hitwood need, really needs a few more steak dinners because he's such a – much like – excuse me. <coughs> he's choking on a Tim Tam. Oh, much like Blake, he's just a skinny kid who needs a whole lot more of Nonna's cooking, like a couple of lasagnas <laughs> a I day. I had so much gnocchi yesterday. Oh, you should have saved me some, but – I had more for lunch today. Um, I was really looking forward to seeing, like, and in a great team, he kicked 35 goals, and I was like, oh, he's going to kick 50 plus. So 35 29 is not a bad turnaround, but. Hipwood? Hipwood, yeah. He's just so inconsistent. That's the problem. <clears throat> yeah, and that's where I was, you know, he's still very young, still. But how, how much Actually, longer can not. we he's say 20, that? He's 2015 draft, so 2016, so he's been. That's what I mean. Like, he's not that young anymore. He should be at that point. He should be far more reliable than what he has been. And yes, the game against Melbourne, he came out and pretty much won it for them. Yep. But like, you do that once every six weeks, it's not enough. Yeah. And he's got all the talent that Tom Lynch had at that age. You know, like he needs to be doing more. He needs to be more involved in games. He needs to be bigger and stronger. But he's... how much longer is it going to take? Well, they do say that, you know, key forwards take. Piggy position players take an extra. Yeah, but using Blakey as an example like you did, Blakey had an immediate impact he this year good. and was consistent all year and could do a multitude of He's more of, of a bigger midfielder though. Which is insane and very exciting. Yeah. But you know what I mean? And Ben King even this year had more of an impact than Hipwood was able. Like I know Ben Hipwood King is going to be my next Tom Lynch, by the way. Anyway, I also had down um, Charlie Cameron from Mark and Goal of the oh, Year. Oh, so good. So... It was kind of obviously that didn't happen, and, and um, Eddie got goal, and um, Liam Ryan. Liam Ryan got Mark, but it he was, should have been Isaac Heaney. He, uh, you know, he's definitely again that sort of player that that can do the double. Yes, and while injured as well. Who was your player under the pump? Uh, player under the pump. I, I remember saying that I didn't really have a player under the pump because I think the team is on the up and it was going to be a really positive team. Like mm. much like we saw, and as I mentioned, it's going to be start the year really strong and a really great team. I didn't have a specific player because I was like, all right, I don't have anyone who I think needs to prove a point for their career. Mm. Yeah, It's going to be the team proving a point as, all right, we're arrived now. And yeah. finishing with the fact that they're finishing second. Incredible. They won some great games and – the players and some of those younger players are names that are becoming household names in Melbourne, let alone Brisbane. Yeah. You know, selling out that game against Hugh Collingwood. McCluggage. Hugh McCluggage. Um, 
I think it was round nine, round eight or nine, where they sold out the game against Collingwood, even though they got healthily done. Round five, yep. which is my season low light. Which, yeah, is unfortunate because they... Um, they sold it out, but they didn't fire a shot, and they, they lost yeah, by 62 points. They sold it out and didn't show up. Yeah. Um, my player under the pump was Daniel Rich. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever been the same player since doing his knee yep. early in his career. Um, and he's shown little bits here and there, but got a little bit wayward. But I think this year was the best season of his career. Yep. He played the most games since his first year in 2009. Um, I've just got a few stats here. He got more of the ball than he ever has before in a season. He was instrumental in the Lions' rebound out of defence. And I think that Hodge coming into this team has had more of an impact on him than yep. any other player. Because he was reading the ball really well. He was taking direction really well and then making really good choices. Yep. And he's got that long boot. He has moments where he can kick long goals. But he was just so smart with the way he started transition of play from defensive to offensive. Yep. And with Hodge gone now, he, along with Birchall now, who's up there, they're such smart, steady heads in defense for a young side to be launching from Mm. and it's just so exciting because I've always been a fan of Daniel Rich but he's never quite done what he promised early in his career when he won the Rising Star and did all that stuff that he could do and this year is like holy shit he's this is the guy we've been waiting 10 years to see and it was just incredible to watch like I was just so excited watching him play um, as a Sydney fan, like yeah, watching yeah. Daniel Rich just make good choices off the back line, incredible. And like I said, when you look at his disposals, they're all in the elite category. Yeah. Um, the only one that's not his handballs, but eh. But like, he rarely handballs. It's everything else is in that higher, you know, for a guy who's been around for a hot minute, just to be able to go, all right, I'm finally, yeah, like in a spot that, like you said. Luke Hodges marshaled those defenders well. And, you know, it would have been great to see Luke Hodge go out another year. But Birchall there is... I know Birchall is not Hodge, but I think Hodge has given them enough. Yep. And now Birchall can just be a mature head to be a steadier for one or two more years while the rest of them take that next step. And then once that's done, they don't need those older guys anymore. The young guys will lead the way. Yeah. It's just so exciting. Um, I'm excited to watch them some more. Fuck yeah. Uh, My season highlight was making finals. Um, Obviously, it was such a big moment for the club after so long. But the fact that they didn't just slip into finals, just make it, they destroyed it. They they came second. They won a significant amount of games, you know? Like, they exuded that club culture that their fans are all on board with. There's this extreme positivity around them at the moment, and it's all good at Brisbane. And even, I think... The big thing that sold it to me was when they lost that final and got knocked out. Yeah. The way they all stayed there, all the fans stayed there, cheered them off. That was huge. That was yeah. That it's it's like a different. It's like it's a young team and people are on board and they, they understand that it's been a bit rough the last bunch of years. Um. And when they come out in round one and beat the reigning premiers by fifty points. Like, that's a great start to the year. Yeah. And maybe people thought, okay, this is, like I mentioned, I thought anyway that it's a great start and then, you know. Taper off. Like they have the past two years. But, like, to come out and have three 100-point, kick 100-point scores against, you know, teams that at that point, you know, 
Eagles North and Port. Um, admittedly, the next couple of weeks were a bit flat, but from there on, it was just game on. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of close losses, and you know, obviously that uh, that loss to Carlton in round twelve, where <laughs> Patrick Cripps beat Brisbane single handedly, but <laughs> from outside fifty, from outside fifty. <laughs> With the glove, with Boss's glove on too. <laughs> but you just go, they just kicked goals and they kicked, you know, they kicked scores. Obviously. But the the guys they got in that were not, they, that didn't fulfill their potential out of the clubs is huge as well. Yeah. Like Lincoln McCarthy is the perfect example of that. But also Marcus Adams had a huge impact late in the season. Yeah. You know, those guys that couldn't quite get a good run at it because of injury or whatever. Yep. They had. Just, or just positioning in their team, whether it be second string or. Yeah, being... but their conditioning staff must be so good up there. They had so few injuries that their NEFL team was just overflowing Hats. with talent. Yep. You know, like everything is going right for them at the moment. They're going to be scary next year, but it's exciting. Yeah. And Sydney's going to play them in the grand final. Um, my low. <laughs> um, my low light was obviously that loss to Collingwood, but general feeling on the season, clearly super positive. Their list balance, I think, is really beautiful. Yep. Um, across the field, they've got depth and they've got players that work really well with one another. Um, getting the best out of their older players while teaching the younger players as well. 100%. Um, and they were regularly able to identify their shortcomings and kind of fix it on the run, which with a young team must be so difficult, but clearly the connection Fags has got with them is so... Yeah, special. It's like we were talking about Beveridge before. Is just the way that he has built that. I don't want to say built the culture because it's more than just that. But just relationship. Relationship, you know. Uh, it's a really again, and you look at Bulldogs. You look at Carlton Teague and the way that that's changed, and all of those. And you look at the way that um, Buckley has. Adjusted over his Hardwick. time. Hardwick is, oh, Hardwick is a prime example of just it's more than what you're doing on the training track. Mm. It's everything. It's everything. It's being a good person. <laughs> oh, man. Improved decline or plateau in 2020? It would be really sad to see them decline. Yeah. Uh, a la Melbourne. I don't think – I think that they probably didn't peak in terms of they didn't blow their load – um, <laughs> they didn't. While the, their finals wasn't strong, they didn't like. They didn't disappoint themselves in a. Well, I mean, the the final they got knocked out in. They lost in the final seconds. You know, like it wasn't a huge yep. blowout. They lost to the grand finalists by a healthy amount. Okay, oh for throw. Oh my gosh! But that... also Richmond had to throw in theirs against them too, so they got screwed twice. And uh, but. They didn't go out on a disappointment. No. It's not like they, you know, go out straight sets, yes, but you lost to Richmond who won the grand final. And then and you Jude lost to made the, who grand, made the grand, final. grand final by less than a goal. Yeah. So I think they've got the taste. The younger people, younger people, the younger players have got the, like, all right, we can do it, the confidence. And um, next year, again, probably top five finish. Mm. And, again, hopefully a preliminary final at least would be, I don't want to make any early calls on the grand final, but... I have improved just because I think they'll at least make a prelim yeah. next year. Yeah. Yep. Shall we finish this off with right. the Geelong Cats? Let's bring it home for uh, for our friend Tom. <laughs> Who finished first with 135.7%. Um, I had them 6 to 10. 
size incorrect. I had them at six, which yeah. were pretty, you know. We both saw that the premiership window was open, but, you know. Just. Just. Um, who was your player to watch? Uh, I had a really great headline, which has probably been done by now. Uh, it was Narkle to Sparkle. <laughs> I should be, you know, it should be a, uh, a newspaper editor, not a, not I a journalist. I like him a lot. He designed that Indigenous Guernsey. Mm, it was very good. Big fan of him. He looks like... Looks great with the short hair too. It's a good look. He looks like he's from like the 1950s. He looks like he's you, a black and white photo. He, that's exactly right. He looks like he's from the 1950s, needs like the three-piece suit and just, I don't know, he just looks from a different era. Also, great player. Also. <laughs> It'd be very interesting. Like, what I would do is if you had a, in, if you had a time travel trade. <laughs> so if you could trade two players from different eras, it's like trade him out for Polly Farmer, because Polly Farmer would look quality in the game today if he was a full time sportsman, and Narkel would have the look of. He would still be a big big player because obviously, like John Nichols was only six foot one or so. Like he wasn't that tall. This is the Cuda argument, isn't it? Yeah, it's the Patrick Cripps. Yeah, but you know you could trade, put Cuda in now, and he would he would be even more elite. Mid- well, I, when you said the time travel thing, I was like, mm, who would I get? And immediately I was like, Cuda and Adam Goods done. So, um, but yeah, he. I think Quinton Narkel. Um, we got off on a tangent. Got off on a tangent. <laughs> and I was really excited to see the young Brownless, but I don't think he didn't debut, didn't debut no. yet. So, um, um, And Radigalia, I was keen to see. But he was mine, He yeah. had his, uh, his moments. Played 20 games. I think he almost got there. Yep. And I think the How Good's Footy Boys have said this as well. He was... What, they'd swap Radigalia out for no, 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 that he... healthy Radigalia for a grand final? Is that the... No, that's Nakaya Cockatoo. Cockatoo. Um, Sorry for putting words in your mouth, Tom. Tom. Um, I think he, he almost became the breakout player of the club. Yeah. You know what I mean? He nearly got there. He, there were just a couple of little moments in games where he could have done a little bit more and it would have elevated him. But I'm still – the fact that he played 20 games was important. Yeah. But the thing about him that I worry about at Geelong is their team structure – allowing him to play his best football and show his assets. So do you want him to be playing 50% of the game in the ruck? Do you think that showcases his talents the best way and gives you as much as you can? Or should he be sitting forward a lot more? Like what balance is going to make him the best player he can be for your team? When you've got – it's a tough one when you've got such an experienced team like Geelong overall. Yeah. That – Again, it comes back to that conversation of if it was in a team that was a little bit, say it was the Western Bulldogs and you had Radigalia in Bulldogs, like he would be playing forward the whole time. Yeah, because you leave Tim Smith in the ruck, but clearly Brad Scott has an issue with rucks, which we'll get to in a second as well, that isn't allowing him to consistently play someone. Yeah. It's like he's got ants in his pants and he, he's never satisfied. It's like FOMO. Oh, but what if he played instead, you know? Instead of just letting a ruck take charge for the season and really mm-hmm. make their mark, and I don't think Reece Stanley was bad at all. It's funny that one particular podcast I listen to, they constantly refer to Reece Stanley as the guy who 
um, Nick Rewalt pots in his book. Really? Like Nick, Nick Rewalt has a go at Stanley for something. And I haven't read Nick Rewalt's book, but the running joke is that um, there's a whole like couple of pages about Reese Stanley in Nick Rewald's book. Really? Yeah. And so there's a running joke through this other podcast, which I can't remember off the top of my head what it's called, uh, about Reese Stanley. Yeah, it's quite amusing oh. running joke. He's got a cute kid. Um, who was your player under the pump? On the, Can I actually say this one first? Because talking about rocks, mine was Zach Smith. Yep. Scott doesn't seem to like rocks, as we've just established, let alone the third ruck in line for the position. Yeah. He played three games and he's on his way out. So I kind of feel bad. for He's played exactly 50 games for Geelong. He just happened to, one, go to a club where he's not the number one guy. Yep. But two, don't go to a club where the coach hates rucks and doesn't see the value in them. And that that final against Collingwood is the perfect example of that. How In a, in a year where, we, as we mentioned, and, and I failed to mention it before, where one of the greatest ruckers ever played, Polly Flama, passed away. Yeah. And in, year, and in a year where, particularly towards the end of the season, celebrating a life that changed the game, yeah. Polly Farmer and his handball and his ruck style, the, the Geelong of now could genuinely use Polly Farmer to yeah. actually have made that, beaten that Collingwood team. Like that would have been. That's why I bring up the, the trade for. Uh, yeah. But this is the thing like, how can you show. Brody Grundy such little respect as well. Brody Grundy is the he might not be the best player in the game, but I think he's the most important player in the game today. Yep. And if you were crafting a team and you could choose any player first, he'd be the one you choose first. If you were lining up in the schoolyard and you had We've had this conversation yeah, already off air. It's the best way to to do these conversations. You just choose him every time because the dynamic nature of the way he plays, the way he can influence a game from the middle, like a midfielder but also in the air, yeah. it's incredible. How can you have such a lack of respect for him that you don't even put in a guy to line up on him? It's ridiculous. It's the weather's fault. Yeah, it's the weather's fucking hell. Yeah. Um, what's your – who was your player under the pump? Sorry, I got on my little high horse there. Uh, I'd had my – again, another uh, – Headline. I'd written Geelong for some reason. I'd written in headlines. Oh, I think I remember this. Uh, can Gary Ablett yeah. fall out of favour? And will it be his last elbow and dudes in the head season? There was definitely that in the middle of the year, and then the whole um, the Instagram post as well, which is throughout the year. So, you know, I again at and trailed s- off towards the back end of the season too. Seventy percent Gary is still better than seventy percent of the league. You know, I have written stuff about him. Yep, later. But- I I don't think he fell out of favour. I think he they would have if he'd kept him as a midfielder. Position, midfielder in the positions that he had been, more time up forward and, and being able to swap, swing him forward and mid is, you know, obviously he's in the twilight of his career. So my question about him then, and this goes back to the Jenkins, and I know he's a completely different player to Josh Jenkins. I'm not comparing them, but the concept of an older player keeping a talented young player out when that player could be being developed. Next year, him having signed on, Gary Ablett, mm-hmm. keeping a player like Charlie Constable out, who is incredibly talented and now has spent two years on the sidelines because of the depth at Geelong. Mm-hmm. At what point 
is him being there more of a hindrance than it's help. Because you're going to lose players like Constable if they're not getting games and they're very yep. talented. We saw the few games that he did play this year. Constable is incredible. So at what point do you need to make that choice? This is the conversation, and I know this is probably about 15, number 15, is it's parallels talking about, well, Eddie Betts coming to Carlton because why would you bring a 32-year-old who's so... I feel like that's different. It feels different because I don't think Carlton have the extreme depth in no, that position. No, it's you're 100% correct in that. But then it comes down to the other factors such as the history. Like, okay, he's a, he's a player, he's played, you know. But then you've also got leadership and those sort of things. Like, well, is he going to be more valuable being part of that unit, even if he plays 70% of the year, versus this younger – and this, will this younger player get more – out of him being in the side, but them not getting to play, them not getting to play. That's that's the conversation. That's the but I, because I don't think Geelong lacks leadership because they have Selwood, who's touted to be the greatest captain of all time. They mm. have Dangerfield. They have Blitzarves in defence. They've right. got Harry Taylor there. Harry like, Taylor's another one who looks like he's from the thirties or forties. That's true. Um, you know, like I, Hawkins, I guess. I, I feel like Ablett doesn't provide much leadership because we've heard about what happened on the Gold Coast. And this is speculation. It feels like it hurts more than it helps. Right. And it's they're too stuck in their oh, history of the club ways to do what's best for the club now. Geelong also have got like an interesting pay structure too compared to most clubs where there's tiers. Didn't that start back in 2007 when they wanted to keep the group together? I think so. I don't know the origins and the minutiae of it, but I know that there's a couple of the top, top tier who get paid, but then there's like a bracket of players rather than everyone's like negotiating. It's like, all right, this is what we're going to pay as a experienced top tier player and then like bracket it down so that they can keep their quality players like hey you're going to get a little bit less than what you might if you go to the free market but it's going to keep the units together and it's yeah. going to keep a the strength in it because it means that we can pay everyone, everyone you know what I mean and I think that that's a really noble way to go about it it probably doesn't work for every club particularly if you're a developing club and trying to lure Adelaide. talent Adelaide it, you know your Gold Coast your St Kilda's your Carlton but once you're Geelong we've had a healthy period of time over the last 20 years that or if probably even back in 25 years that if you've can if you've got the flexibility to be able to do that it will keep the club strong for longer than like less less highs and less lows. Like the highs and lows won't be as high and won't be well yeah well grand finals but like it it'll keep it more balanced than we talk about Geelong, Hawthorne, Sydney in the same kind of breath, don't yeah. we? Yeah, absolutely. In that way. But I don't know. I feel like – and we're, this is dragging on a little bit because we're talking about something a bit different. But when I watched them, yes, for maybe 10 games at the start of the season, he was very good and very important, all that sort of stuff. For that season. And Grian Myers got to learn under him. Oh, yeah. And all that sort of stuff. But going into next year where he was uncontracted and extended, that – is what I question. Yeah. Because 
Charlie Constable's the big one, but also like who who is he taking the spot off? Mm. And this is what Hodge and Lewis and Mitchell all left Hawthorne for, and now Birchall. You know, like who? What young guy is getting that spot? If he's not there, yeah, and for the long term of the club, is that going to benefit them more? Yeah. I would say Charlie Constable getting games into him in his third year now is going to be more beneficial for you for ten years than it is Gary Ablett getting his. That's a fair. You know what I mean? A fair comment, but then also having the people coming to watch Gary Ablett. As so we're only going to sell out anyway. Selwood's there, you know, like, I I don't know. I think, yes, the fairy tale has happened. He's come back. He's done all this yeah. stuff. They're not winning a flag next year. It's not like he's going to play one more year to get the fairy tale ending. Yeah. You know he what I mean? that chance this year. That was this year, yeah. Yeah. And next year, I think they will finish, like, four, five, six. Yeah, same. And maybe they will do it. Maybe it will. They're not. Don't worry. <laughs> Good chat. Uh, what was your <laughs> sorry? What was your season highlight? <laughs> Jason's got a real angry face at me right now. <laughs> uh, my season highlight. Well, well, my season highlight is not so much the team season highlight, but the way that the they just were on that dominant run. The whole like it took until after the buy for them to lose. Like, and that's a very another whole other conversation that buy. Um, but just just their just their dominance, just their all right. They could beat anybody. You know, they eventually lost to Port, which was well. They lost the GWS game. The when Callan Ward went down. That's right. Five, Sorry, four I points. Missed, missed that one. But um, the just Geelong fans are up and about. You know, just to, rightly so as well. Just, yeah, I know. That's that's exactly that's totally fair. And as much as it sucks when you're not that team. Like, for a team to just be so like, right, we're going out, we're going to win, we're going to have fun, it's going to be great. And you're like, yeah, I want that to be my team. But when it's a 10 other teams going great, you're like, oh, all right, well, okay, fair enough. Well, yeah, my season highlight is the first half of the season as well. They yeah. lost just that GWS game by four points. The thing that they were doing well that other teams weren't, was that they were kicking accurately as well. And West Coast were the only other team kind of mm. close. Um, that was what was winning them games. In round, I want to say round eight against Sydney, um, Sydney kicked 8 15. They should have won that game. 11, that one. Round 11, yeah. sorry. Like, Sydney kicked 8 15. They should have won that game. But just because Geelong kicked straighter, yeah, they absolutely. won. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing that they were doing right that everyone else was doing poorly. And then my season low Which, light. Even in that game against Port, where Port kicked 9 13 and beat them. You know, by two goals, you're like, oh, nine thirteen to eight eight. Even that's accurate, but yeah. Um, side note: on the AFL website, they've already put the new Port Adelaide logo on the Port Adelaide. Related have they things. paid that other designer? I'm interested for that conversation to play out because there are some different parallels. There are some genuine parallels. Um, my season low light then is everything after the buy Geelong. I mean, they haven't been able to win after a buyer for, what, eight years or something? Something ridiculous. It's something ridiculous. And, and then even if you include the post-finals buy as well, it's even more ridiculous. It's like 14, one nine out of four. Uh, it's like nine and 14 or something, or eight and 14. It's like half the games they lose. Yeah. If you include um, those. And they couldn't win consecutive games after after the buy. Yeah. For the rest of the season, they went win-loss. Yep. And it, which... 
sucks when you have them on round 23 and uh, you got them on the, on the win <laughs> side. That actually, the round 23 was one of my games to watch um, and my note was it'll be a win to the Cats but a decider if they'll be top four. Well, it kind of... No, they had that sorted. They up. had that sorted by then but it definitely um, didn't hurt there. <laughs> um, what were your general feelings on their season? If I was a Cats fan, I'd be happy with the season but that after the bye is just... It's a concern. It's a concern. It's incredible the way that they were like, we are the most dominant team. Okay, we lost to Port Adelaide. Now we won. Now we lost. Now we won. Now we lost. And then getting to the finals where they continued that. Yeah. It's exactly... The, the rest of the season was literally win-loss, win-loss. Win, loss. So Everyone was talking be, about Port Adelaide's, but Geelong were worse. It was, You'd just be pulling out your hair if you were, you know... Geelong supporter going, well, track record shows we're going to lose this week and it happens to be against Richmond in the preliminary final. So At the MCG. Um, mine... Should have had a home final. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but Richmond get what they want. Um, well, that wouldn't have been the home final, but the Eagles, Cats, semi. I mean... Sorry, the, the Collingwood... I must say the Collingwood, Cats, round one. I mean, when, when Richmond complain about... Uh, Rules not working in their favour. Rules get changed for them. Um, I had to throw my laptop out the window. <laughs> uh, I think their inability to live up to home and away form in the finals is a concern. Their past how many years have been an issue like that. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of that is the home ground advantage issue, I don't know. Yeah. But surely there comes a point where you dominate during the season and you're able to get through a few more finals than what they have been. Yeah. Um, that's a concern. And bringing up the Gary Ablett thing, Charlie Constable is a big thing for me. Sydney were looking at him in that <laughs> in that draft. And as much as I am very happy with who he took, a bit sad they didn't take him because he's such a gun inside yeah. mid. How much longer is he going to stick around until he gets a spot? Yep. You know? So things like that is is kind of what I'm – that was real Aussie – what I'm wondering about for them. Um, I think they decline next year. I just don't think they're going to be top four next year. Probably still finals, but not top four. Mm. And you've said that. Do you think that they will... How far into finals do you think they'll get? Do you think they'll sneak a prelim? Do you think... No, not a prelim. I think they probably win week one and lose week two. So much like this year. Yeah, but not making top four, so not getting the second chance. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Wow, we're done. We're done. Holy shit, it's late. Um, thank you so much for coming again to chat about this. It's always great being on Play on Radio. <laughs> and it's great that the footy season is done. And AFLW, come back to me. It, that'll, look, it's still next year. We've got to wait for that. Oh, and let's not get into that conversation. Yeah. I'm really sad. Um, thank you for coming. We're definitely going to do some more stuff later on in the year. So um, everyone should keep an eye out, an ear out for that. Eye out. Follow us on all our socials. Play on Radio Melb is where you can find us. Lovely. Um, but in the meantime, enjoy the replays of your team's wins. Oh, I actually had gone to start. Uh, what day is it today? It's Monday today. If I start watching, if you watch your team's games from the weekend just gone, <laughs> so if you start today and you watch every week, you will get to the start of the JLT season. <laughs> So if you want to go back and relive your team's good, bad or otherwise year, as long as your team doesn't make finals. If your team makes finals, then you'll get right to the start of the home and away season. 
So that's a bit of a that's nugget something. for... Yeah, you can... Um, I'm just going to watch AFLW replays. Well, you, there's enough time in the year to do both. Yeah. I mean, I quit my job, so um, I've got plenty of time coming up. If anyone's got jobs coming up, let me know. Um, that was that was kind of a joke. <laughs> Not really. Not really. Do need a job. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for coming, Jason. I appreciate it. This has been the Play On Review of the AFLM finalists. Uh, we will be back for some more stuff um, on all sorts of times and things so keep an eye out and uh enjoy replays catch ya see ya deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 